Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The Opinion Live with PJ Coogan on Quartz 96 FM. 1857-15996 is the number. The text or the WhatsApp, 083-396-9696. The email, opinion at 96fm.ie. Monday, June the 8th, as we enter phase two, or as they're calling it now, phase two plus of the release from lockdown. And if you are a business that is opening your doors this morning for the first time since the end of March, first of all, welcome back. Secondly, good luck. Thirdly, let us know who you are, where you are, and how you plan on approaching this strange new normal of ours at 1850-715-996. But certainly if you're open for the first time in months, do let us know, even if it's a text, and we'll give you a mention between this and midday. So to you all, welcome back. Now, in terms of travel restrictions for the next phase, between now and the 29th of June... The travel was a bit confusing at the weekend. You can go wherever you like in the county. So you can drive from here to Allihees if you want to. That's fine. Once you stay within the county. If you have to cross the county bounds to get to where you want to go for an essential purpose, you may go up to 20 kilometres over the county bounds or including the county bounds in the journey. It's confusing. Like, it's... but. Regardless of which, you're still asked to stay as close to local and as close to home as you can. Like, for example, if you're going to the nearest Tesco or the butcher and you're not a substantial... You know yourself, just just 20 kilometres, the county, try to stay local as best you can. And I know that might even sound more confusing than the written down version, which is why I've been thinking about it over the weekend. What the hell is it all about? But anyway, if you're back, welcome back. Welcome back. Now, uh, that's the happy note on which we want to get underway this morning that our our lockdown is ending and our businesses are coming back. But at about half ten this morning at Cork District Court, a teenage boy is expected to be brought forward on charges 
relating to a horrific attack on another young man in Carrigaline over the weekend. It was in a place I know very, very, very well in Waterpark Estate where I lived for 10 years. I know exactly where this happened and and I got the video to my phone about half 11, quarter to 12 on Saturday night and I was absolutely horrified by it and there was a lot being said yesterday about sharing the video should we share it should we not you absolutely should not share that video first of all it's graphic and it's horrible and it's disgusting and it's just it's terrible but don't share it the guards don't want us to share it there's a process to be gone through so please do not share that video but again it brought up the subject of attacks on young people in Carrigaline by other young people. And this is not a today nor yesterday problem. And and over the weekend, we caught up with Emma, who had a very similar incident just a week ago. Emma, you, I think, have had a similar experience at the hands of this gang. You recognise them from the social media pictures. Now, without naming anybody or anything like that, tell me what happened. Well, I last Saturday, uh, I was minding my own business, sitting down in the park. At, like, I was working all day. I was on at home, you know. So I just wanted to meet up with my friend for a half an hour. So I was sitting there on my own, and there was around 20 now of the the fellas across from me. What what park was this, by the way? Was this Carrigaline? Carrigaline Complex, yeah. And um, there was, like, random, just say, three boys walking past, minding their own business. And when their back was turned... Them, a couple of the lads would run up behind them, kick him into the side of the face. As your man dropped, I actually went over and I was like, what the hell are you doing? Can you please leave the boys alone? And the boys ran off, you know? And they were just calling me every name under the sun, oh, we'll get you now, whatever. So, you know, I didn't even think any of it, anything of it, because they were just so young, you know? So I went back off and I went, I went over to a different bench and my friend was meant to be coming within five minutes and... Uh, as they approached me then I could see them walking over to me and he was like uh, calling my names oh I have a problem with you now and I was like can you leave me alone I'm sitting here on my own and there's around 20 of you and I stood up you know and he grabbed onto me pushed me and as he pushed me he kicked me straight into the chest full force now he's a big boy compared to me and I fell back and as that my friend was coming and I knew I knew that he was going to jump me. Like, I knew there was going to be a big fight. So my friend actually pulled me away. I couldn't even breathe. He winded me that, that bad, he, that, the way he kicked me. So he pulled me away. And as that, all that was happening, my sister was actually witness this, was driving past with her husband. So my sister went straight to the park, down to the guards. And there was a, a guard there. My sister said exactly what happened. Uh, my sister's in a his, hysterics. There's 20 guys over in the park. Uh, just just hit my sister, abused my sister for no, no reason at all. And the guard was like, well, sure, if your sister wants to make a complaint, she can make a complaint. If not, it's none of our business. Do you know, completely, completely ignored oh, my sister. Hold on, like, hold on, on a second. So, 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 so the guard said, well... You need, if you want to make a complaint, make a complaint. If yeah. not, there's nothing we can do. Yeah, and walked back into the station. I wasn't even, I went straight home. Like, I was such, I got such a fright, you know. My boyfriend had to walk me home. And, like, I just couldn't believe it happened. So I just, I just let it off, like. And tell me, what time of the day was this? This was around ha- 7 o'clock in the evening. 
And did you go and make a statement to the guards? No, I didn't. I actually didn't. And I know I regretted it a lot because I just thought it wouldn't have, I thought I just, it, it would be let go, you know? You still could, you know? I'm going down on Monday morning and I am straight away. Straight away. And I'm going, like, I know the names and stuff, so I'll give my na- the names to the guards and they can deal with whatever. And, and being very careful about the next question, and I know appreciate you'll be extremely careful how you answer. When you saw what happened to that young lad Saturday night, and when you saw what went up on social media... I didn't see that fight. No, but did you, when you saw what went on social media, did you recognise the people involved? Oh, yeah, straight away. It was the same guy that kicked me straight into the chest. I, I know his face straight away. I have a picture of him, yeah. I could witness him straight away. So I'll go that to the guards. Okay, and you'll be making a full statement. I am Monday morning, definitely. Full statement, yeah. Yeah. Well, Emma, whatever happens with the guards, I, I wish you luck. I thank you very much for coming forward and for understanding that we can't name anybody. But what you've done for us is made a clear connection between the people that attacked you and the people that attacked that young man the other night. You say they were the same people. Yeah, 100%. Emma, I'll leave it there and thank you for talking to me. That's Emma, who I spoke to yesterday. Um, Fianna Fáil Councillor Seamus McGrath, good morning. Good morning, PJ. We've had a problem in Carrigaline for a considerable period of time now, Seamus, with a particular gang of young troublemakers. Yeah, without question, PJ, um, we have. Uh, we, we had another serious incident, I suppose, last year, which was well documented. I think you covered it yourself on the show, involving a young person again um, who, who became under attack in, in Carrigaline. That was last year. Um, you know, there have been other incidents, and I heard Emma there as well, talking about an incident in the community park. And, of course, the incident on Saturday night, which was truly horrific. And um, I think most people probably woke up to that news on Sunday morning and, you know, the sense of shock in the community yesterday was enormous. Uh, I think that shock turned to anger, to be perfectly honest, as the day went on. Um, You know, how can this happen? How can a young person, completely innocent, going about his business, causing no trouble to anybody, come under such a vicious attack? Um, And it is horrific. And I suppose as the day went on, there was a sense of relief when news, news came through that, the, the injured person, you know, had, had recovered well and was mm. coming home and so on like that. Um, but that doesn't take away from the fact that it was a truly vicious attack. Um, I did see the video because it was sent to me as well privately, like yourself, and, and I would agree it should not be shared on social media out of respect to the injured party and the family. Yes. Um, but I did see it. And, and the judicial it, process, to be fair. Yeah, absolutely, PJ, and we want to see justice in this particular case. And I know we don't want to go into that too much, and that's fair enough. Um, but, you know, I did see it and I think I have a duty to, to see it as a public representative. Um, and, and it was it was just, uh, you know, depravity. And, you know, those emotions I described earlier on in the community, I, I suppose the further feeling that I picked up strongly yesterday was the sense that people want to see justice. And we won't delve into that. I heard you earlier about the court appearance and so on. Um, but people want to see justice and I absolutely want to see justice. You know, when, irrespective of age, whatever age you're talking about, the level of violence involved in this incident, you know, merits a very, very strong response from our justice system. And our system has flaws, absolutely. But, you know, I'm pleased to say that the guard investigation did move swiftly, and I do want to commend them for that. Mm. Um, and, and, and look, we all await the outcome 
but but they made progress very quickly and they were on the scene very quickly as well. And I know you might talk about Garda resources in a minute, and, and I'm happy to talk about that because it is an issue. Um, but but I do want to commend the Garda on that. Um, and out and about in Cargilline yesterday, you know, was, the weather was good. People, you know, I, I was out with myself and my family around the community park and around the Greenway and so on like that. And you know, there's such positivity in the area, and for yeah. it all to be overshadowed by such a vicious attack the night before is is so sad. Um, and there are deep and complex issues, obviously, with young people and why a certain percentage engage in this type of behaviour. But, um, you know, the sense I'm getting is people do want to see serious consequences for it because uh, we can't allow anything like this to happen again. The key um, question, though, is, Seamus, and you heard Emma's account of what happened to her there, and she said the minute she saw the social media Saturday night, she knew it was the same crowd. And we have... Many incidents involving the same crowd or a variation of that crowd over the last period of time. And people in Carrigaline, and I'm sure they're saying it to you, are getting increasingly frustrated that this group appears to be allowed to rampage the town without consequence. Yeah, look, 100%. Um, and and there, there do, you know, questions need to be answered in relation to that um, in terms of previous contact with the Gardaí and this group and, and why more serious uh, charges haven't been brought to date and so on like that and that is that is a discussion. Part of the reason would seem to be that they're they're very young. Absolutely and look we, we see examples and you've debated it with other public reps and so on in terms of the beaches and Myrtleville and Fountainstone in terms of outdoor spaces in Carrigaline, you know, large youth scattering and causing problems, antisocial behaviour etc and you know, there is a sense out there that consequences just don't follow those actions and people want to see that change and the justice system needs to change to reflect that. We hear about this juvenile diversion programme where they get cautions and they get a snap in the wrist and so on like that. That isn't good enough and certainly when you're talking about an incident like that, like that absolutely isn't good enough. As I say, irrespective of age, there needs to be consequences. Um, but PJ, I think it is important, and I, I'm conscious of the fact we're talking about youths here, but, you know, the overwhelming majority of youths are decent, good people, and you see it in your role, I see it in my role as a public rep. We see there's so many fantastic examples of young people fundraising for, for different charities. We do, we, we do. but at, you know what, Seamus, unfortunately what happens is that we hear, oh, the majority are great people. We know that. Yeah. We, that goes yeah. without saying. I just want to we have a little rump within the community that is a band of troublemakers that are now notorious troublemakers. 100%. And look, you know, I just wanted to clarify that because I don't want to be accused of being down on the youth because, you know, as you said yourself, the overwhelming majority. But look, to move on from that, yes, there is a very small percentage and in this particular case, they travelled the Carrigan line by bus, on the 220 bus and that has happened before as well. So I, I think there is a pattern emerging here too um, where, where youth are travelling by bus to cause trouble and we saw it in Mount Oval a couple of weeks ago where again the bus was involved and you know we have a fantastic bus service and and it was welcomed in Carrigaline when it came but I do think it's time for Bus Aaron and the Gardaí to sit down and to discuss these issues. Are you and talking about perhaps reviewing the 220 route? I'm not necessarily talking about reviewing the route but I think there are things that can be done between the Gardaí and Bus Aaron. I mean mm -hmm. there is a pattern here and uh, there needs to be protocols put in place. For example, one obvious thing would be that the driver would have a direct uh, form of communication with the guard if he feels there is something suspicious going on. And I don't want to put drivers at risk here, but I, I'm saying it's a discreet form of communication. We've already had one driver, you remember, tried to take action or tried to, tried to discipline oh, no. a group, and we had, you know, threatened. 
No, no, I'm not suggesting that. No, absolutely not. Drivers should not be put at risk. No way. But there should be some form of a discreet communication of protocol put in place. If a gang of youth gather on a bus in Ballancolic or somewhere else, I think the driver should have a direct way of passing that information on to Gardaí. The, the weird but, thing about the buses at the moment, Seamus, is that a single-decker bus is full with nine yeah. people. A double-decker yeah. is full with about 17 or 18 people. So yeah. how on earth are they getting on the buses? Yeah, look, that's a very fair point. And again, it, it should not be up to the driver to please that, you know, because drivers have a difficult job and a risky job. But we saw during the last couple of months during the COVID-19 pandemic where the Gardaí did mount buses and they did carry out spot checks. You know, I don't see any reason why that should not continue okay. beyond the pandemic, particularly for buses that are on at a certain time of the day and certain time of the night, more importantly. Why not have a certain amount of spot checking go on? Okay. I think it would reassure law by the people to see that. And none of us want to live in a police state, but the fact of the matter is we've had a serious incident here. Well, to to be fair, you're not the first person to call for it. And in fact, um, Dermot O'Leary from the NBRU is on record and has been on this show saying maybe it is time to look at transport police. Or I a form of transport, please. A, a form of it. As I say, we did see examples of it. You know, Gardaí mounted buses during the COVID-19 pandemic to see if people were carrying out essential they journeys did. and so they on. Did. Why can that not continue on a, on, a, on a random basis, particularly weekends and after hours, okay. such as 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock at night? We have a great bus service and, you know, it's something that none of us want to see forfeited as a result of isolated incidents like this. But well, you'd be are, punishing the many for the sins of the few. You would, but there are things can be done. And as okay. I say, Bus Aaron and Gary need to sit down and I will be calling for that to happen um, so that so that there can be certain measures taken, protocols put in place, and certainly involving the Gary in terms of spot checks is an obvious one I think that needs to be done. All right. Um, and, and I suppose, look, PJ, the, the whole issue of Gary resources comes up and it, it is a serious issue and I, I know you probably want to move on, but I, I would like to reiterate this to the powers that be in terms of the Garda management that Cork City suburbs, we saw them out open a couple of weeks ago, we have the figures in relation to the Garda stations in Douglas and in Ballancolic and Carrigrain and so on like that. The suburbs with the large populations appear to be underserved and, and there just aren't enough boots on the ground. Okay. Uh, and that's something that we have to highlight again as a serious issue. And it's not the first time we've talked about that either. That hymn sheet has been open and being loudly sung off for a very, very long time. Uh, Councillor Seamus McGrath, thank you very much. 1850-715-996. Uh, proactive action needing, needed or missing from the Gardaí. If action had been taken when Emma was assaulted, um, then maybe it would have prevented the tragedy on Saturday. Leave the 220 alone, says a WhatsApp message. Uh, this has nothing to do with race, says Frank. And that was a big narrative on Twitter, particularly yesterday. Twitter turned into a poisonous cesspit yesterday. No matter what kind of sense you tried to make, Twitter was just a cesspit yesterday. But but um, <clears throat> Frank says, a scumbag is a scumbag, irrespective of colour. Time to look at the 220 route. No, it is not time to look at the 220. That 220 route is used by thousands of people every week. And to take that 220 route away, to limit the 220 route, to stop the long route of the 220 and the frequent service of the 220 would be to punish the many for the sins of the few. 1850-715-996. The Opinion Line on Courts 96 FM. With the indoor self-service laundrette at Drew's Filling Station, Turner's Cross. Remaining open every day for all your laundry needs. Self-service laundry.ie. <laughs> 
for 20 minutes of the best music mix. Non-stop. And everything Cork. On Cork's 96 FM. Find out what the celebs are up to during the current COVID-19 lockdown. Check out and leave a post on our daily Facebook question. We've got new music from Gavin James, Cork's Onu Carroll, Picture This and more as we play Cork's best music mix. On air, online and on your smart speaker. Tobin. Weekdays from midday. With Blackpool Late Night Pharmacy, Watercourse Road. Open seven days from 10 a.m. to 10 p.m. Or visit corkpharmacy.ie. Corks 96 FM. This is Corks Gold Imro Award winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now. 1850 715 996. On Corks 96 FM. I'm amazed at the number of people saying that they just should stop the 220 route from doing that long trip from Ballincollig to Carrigaline and back. The day we do that is the day Tuggery wins. Let's be very clear about that. If you alter that 220 bus route and stop it going all the way that it goes and benefiting all the people that it benefits, and I'm not just saying that because I live on that route, if you change that route... You let Thuggery win. Would you agree, uh, Donegal Irish in Fain TD? Good morning. Good morning, PJ. I would agree. I'm not amazed because I do understand that people are very, very angry. Uh, and in some instances, people are frightened. Uh, but I don't think it's the right response. Uh, I think there is a right response involves ensuring that the bus routes, that there's greater security on them, that there's some kind of protocols and things like that, whether there's anti-social behaviour or more serious criminal activity. Uh, and... I do think the proposal brought forward by the National Bus and Rail Union about a dedicated transport police is well worth looking at. Mm. Having said that, it would be the community in Carrigaline uh, and along the route that would suffer uh, from the axing of what is a very, very busy route. But, like, I mean, certainly something needs to be done in terms of measures to ensure that it's secure uh, and that we can get the benefits of the route in terms of people's access to work and everything else, uh, but not... Um, the problems that unfortunately have travelled on that on that route uh, in in recent times. With regard to Saturday night and indeed what happened to Emma the previous week, and and we know um, anecdotally at least that there have been many many incidents involving the same core group of of young people. They are being allowed to get away with this, and people are like you said, people in Carrigaline, frustrated, angry, and frightened. Absolutely, PJ. Like, I mean, the attack um, on Saturday night was absolutely horrendous. Um, Really, you know, the stuff of nightmares for parents. Um, Just absolutely shocking. And I think the people of Carrigaline were shocked and the people of Cork were shocked. And I I just want to add to what Seamus said. Carrigaline is a fantastic town with tremendous community spirit uh, and it's very unfair. You don't need to Uh, sell it to me. I lived there for 10 years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, but I just think it's important that people hear it because, unfortunately, a lot of the focus that's been on the town in the last uh, two days has been negative through no fault of the town. It's a fantastic town. But I do think people were absolutely shocked. It was a horrendous attack. And I'm glad to see that the Gardaí have, have, I suppose, investigated it rapidly and are proceeding to uh, pressing charges. I think that's very welcome. It was an appalling attack. And uh, I do think that justice needs to be done. uh, And I hope that uh, when it comes before the court that the appropriate sanction and a serious sanction is involved. I organised a public meeting along with Councillor Michael Frick-Murphy in, I think it was 
March or April of 2019 and it was about a number of issues in relation to policing resources in the town, particularly off the back of a number of um, uh, burglaries and thefts from cars and things like that. But a lot of people brought up issues around antisocial behaviour and, as I say, more serious criminal activity, uh, assaults and various incidents like that. It was a particularly bad assault last year uh, that was, as as Seamus as said, uh, covered on your show, an appalling attack as well. Um, and in many instances, I think it was this gang. I think it was this gang that was being talked about uh, and there was an awful lot of concern from right across the community expressed at that meeting. Well, well interesting, Donica, that you say it. You th- you're sure it was, because I don't mind telling you, that in the background, that's how we uh, came in contact with Emma. Because yesterday morning, social media was rife with photographs of, of these young people. And it was through that that Emma ended up on the opinion line. Because the very same people who did this on Saturday night or were involved in this on Saturday night with the very same people that turned on her in the playground the previous Saturday. Absolutely, and I, my heart goes out there, and that sounds like an absolutely terrifying ordeal and experience. And I would say that the investigation into what this group of individuals has been involved in shouldn't just end with this appalling incident. It should be into any of the incidents that they were involved in, and I wish Emma the best in, in making her statement, uh, and I hope that she gets justice too. Um, so, like, I mean, any of these instances need to be investigated and they need to be dealt with, and we need to ensure that, like, I mean, policing problems aren't just limited to one individual group or anything like that. Like, I mean, we do need... I do think the Gardaí responded very quickly to this, and they are pressing charges, and I want to commend them for that, and I do think they're doing their best in Carrigaline, but it is one of the smallest numbers of Gardaí for large town anywhere in the state, uh, and that does need to be addressed uh, Carrigaline, as well as other areas, including Douglas, needs greater resources. It is very, very uh, poorly served by the National Gardaí leadership, some excellent Gardaí locally, but it does need an awful lot more Gardaí, and it needs them to be able to deal with incidents on the part of gangs like that, or anyone else for that matter. Um, you know, I do think that it, it has been an issue that I've been pressing for, for some time, I've raised Commissioner, personally, uh, on more than one occasion, uh, when I was on the Justice Committee, mm. and I've raised it with. What the, you mean the same the same government. commissioner that that took the guards we were supposed to be getting and sent them up the country? That's right. Yeah, and like I mean, I criticised them for that at the time. I said, look, I appreciate that other areas are under pressure, but like you look at the numbers, uh, Cork has got about two percent of the guards recruits from Templemore uh, since it reopened. There's a lot more than two percent of the population in Cork. I criticised them for that. Uh, and I said this needs to be addressed. At the time, he says we accept that there needs to be a rebalancing, but that hasn't happened yet. Um, uh, so we need to continue to to engage with them and to put pressure on them and to raise the case with them, as well as the Minister for Justice. And like, I mean, I do think there's an issue here. Like, this isn't just about the Gardaí. This is about their, you know, the government as well and their ability to resource and guard the Shea but I don't want it to become exclusively about that because I know Gardaí and Carrigaline are doing their best. Um, the numbers need to be addressed, uh, but they are doing their best with the numbers that they oh, have. Play, with, with the hand of cards they've been dealt, they are playing as best they can. But it's a uh, lousy hand. If you got if you got that hand at a round of poker, you'd walk off the field. Absolutely, and I suppose what I've focused on for a long time is the need for community guardian and in fairness to local guard leadership here in Cork City. They've been better than other divisions in trying to ensure that that's prioritised. And what that's important for is guardian who are 
well in tune with the needs of their community who's hearing what's going on or what might happen before it happens and hearing about tensions or issues like that and then that they're able to address them. So I think the focus does need to be on that. I just, I would also say, look, I mean, it's, my understanding is that the the victim has made a good recovery. I just want to wish him well uh, and I hope that he's doing well. And well he'll be traumatised well. for a while. He's going to need help beyond beyond patching up his, his, his cuts and bruises, you know? No, I'm sure he will never forget this, PJ, and I'm sure his family will never forget this, but I hope he recovers as best as possible. But I, I, I wish him well, but it's, yeah. it's no doubt about it. It's a shocking ordeal. You wouldn't wish it on anyone. You wouldn't wish it on anyone's family. Uh, and it was an appalling act and a disgraceful act on the part of those who who inflicted this upon him. All right, OK, leave it there. Donica, thank you very much. Donica O'Leary, Sinn Féin TD. What I would be thinking if I was that young man's dad, and by the way, just in case anyone wants to bring up race, his friend issued a tweet last night. His friend issued a tweet to say this had nothing to do with race. This is the friend of the lad who was injured. So this had nothing to do with race. This was just an attack. But if I was that lad's dad, do you know what I'd be thinking? I'd be thinking, all right, my son is in a hospital bed, battered and bruised and stabbed, and lucky probably to be alive. Yet we've known about this little pack of gougers for for two years now. 1857-15996. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With the self-service laundrette at Drew's Filling Station, Turner's Cross. Spacious, convenient, and still open every day. Selfservicelaundry.ie for 20 minutes of the best music mix and everything Cork on Cork's 96FM Find out what the celebs are up to during the current COVID-19 lockdown Check out and leave a post on our daily Facebook question We've got new music from Gavin James Cork's Anya Carroll Picture This and more as we play Cork's best music mix on air, online and on your smart speaker Tobin. Weekdays from midday. With Blackpool Late Night Pharmacy, Watercourse Road. Open seven days from 10 a.m. to 10 p.m. Or visit corkpharmacy.ie. Corks 96 FM. This is Corks Gold. Imro Award winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 083 396 On Corks 96 FM. Yeah, just on the race question and the tweet by the young man whose name we are not... It's out there. I'm not going to repeat it. But his friend tweeted late last night, this had nothing to do with race. He had spoken to his friend about this before he tweeted. Frank wants to know, it should be mentioned that many of the Twitter accounts commenting yesterday aren't even from Cork, but they're linked to far right... And they only want to stoke up hatred. And could we also mention the girlfriend? Yes, Frank, thank you. It was remiss of me not to mention her before now. It was this young lad's girlfriend who probably saved his life. She literally threw herself in between the thugs and and her boyfriend. And what a brave young woman. What a heart of steel she had for her for her fella. And well done to her. Well done to her and, and be very proud of her. Uh, and there was a GoFundMe flying yesterday as well, uh, pur- purportedly set up for, for the victim. In fact, it had nothing to do with the victim. And when a little bit of investigation was done, it was taken down. And some of the stuff on, on the Twitter timeline yesterday afternoon was pure far-right nonsense. I never had such a fun day of blocking and muting. I really didn't. <laughs> it was great crack. 
and an awful lot of them are people who'd never heard of me and I've never heard of them. Interestingly enough, though, a lot of it was started by someone who blocked me months ago, years ago, for having the temerity to ask a question. So this happens. 1850, now, here we go again. Nothing to do with race, says this message. Bollocks. The thing in America is about race, though. These guys are copycatting gang violence all about race. No, it is not, you sausage. It's not. You don't know what you're talking about. You haven't a bloody clue what you're talking about. 1850 uh, We are the parents of the victim on Saturday night. This has just come in, just landed in front of me. We are the parents of the victim on Saturday night. We have experienced every parent's nightmare, but we are overwhelmed by people's well wishes and kindness. It has restored our faith in human compassion. We would especially like to thank the ambulance personnel, the staff of the COH, the Garda, and Carrigline community, Bally Garvin, GAA, and my son's friends, and indeed our own friends and family. Uh, the support has helped us greatly. Thanks to Seamus McGrath and Michael McGrath. Thanks, PJ. That's in by WhatsApp in the last few minutes from the family of the young man 1850 we're 1850 uh, this might sound twisted to this message but isn't it something to hold on to that an attack like this has the power to rock a community look elsewhere knife crime has been normalised I know it's no consolation but knife crime in Cork is very very rare well, not particularly rare now to be fair not as rare as you think 1850 715 996. Yeah, we're talking off air to the lad's mom at the moment. Um, and uh, I think we're going to, I probably won't be talking to her on the air, but I think we'll probably get a statement. Okay, we're just off the phone from Adam's mom. Uh, Deirdre's going to tell us what uh, they've been talking about uh, off air. She's at work, um, so she can't come on with us. But we're allowed to say now that the lad's name is Adam. And, in fact, the support for him has been tremendous over the last uh, 24 to 48 hours. 1850-715-996 is the number. Um, the, the GoFundMe, by the way, was nothing whatsoever to do with the family. Nothing at all. Uh, OK, Dee, you've been talking to her at, at some length outside. I think, yeah, for the last we were week. having a chat there, PJ. She's a little bit too shy to come on air, and she said she's at work, so she can't anyway. She's an essential worker. Um, Emer is his mom. She said the initial text she sent us was to say, we're the parents of victim on Saturday night. We have experienced every parent's nightmare, but we are overwhelmed by people's well wishes and kindness. It has restored our faith in human compassion. We'd especially like to thank the ambulance personnel, the staff of the CUH, the Gardaí, Line community, Ballygarvin GA, and my son's friends, and indeed our own friends and family. Support has helped us hugely, and they also wanted to thank Seamus and Michael McGrath. So I spoke to Emer just now, and she said they haven't seen any of the social media. They were told on Saturday night in the COH not to look at social media, mm-hmm. um, which is just as well because they probably would have seen the attack being being um, reposted over and over again. She said they wanted to thank everyone. He's been overwhelmed with the support. Um, his phone was taken off him because of the social media, because of everything being there, but she said his friends have been on to her, they'll be calling up, he's home. Good. So he was treated in the CUH, she said he won't have a scar in his face thankfully, um, his hair will grow over the scarring on his head, Great. he's recovering well um, and he, um, they're just very, very grateful, she said She said they're very grateful that they're not going to be in the same situation as that poor family in West Cork, that's the family of Cameron Blair yes. um, and she said they're very grateful as well that he won't have any scarring on his face. Um, they did a great job in the CUH, um, 
they had got the call from a guard at about 10.45 on Saturday night. The guards rang them to come down to Water Park and they went down. And when she went down, um, he was in the ambulance at that stage and she wasn't let into the ambulance. So she said she was pleading with the guard to let her see him, let her see that he was okay and was he alive. But he was just being cleaned up and once that was done, she was allowed to see him and to accompany him to the hospital. She said Adam is a very quiet guy, um, not at all troublesome, just gets on with his own thing. He's a big into the GAA and into running, very athletic. Mm. And they're just very grateful to everybody who's been in touch to offer support. I asked her about the GoFundMe as well, PJ, and she said absolutely nothing to do with them. They weren't aware of it. They haven't been on social media. Mm. Um because the guards had told them not to use it um, and I asked as well about the girlfriend because a lot of people are saying the girlfriend is a hero but Adam is a very quiet private guy as a lot of teenagers of that age are <laughs> so she said they just about knew he had a girlfriend yeah. but they didn't know her but they have been in touch with her since and they're very grateful to her as well Okay, okay, great. Actually yesterday afternoon I popped over to, to Drew's garage, our show sponsor, picking up a bag of barbecue charcoal and it turns out that the, the lads over there know him through the GAA and said what a lovely young for the, what a lovely, quiet unassuming, decent skin uh, 1850-715-996 thank you so much Emer, and our best, our best wishes to Adam and indeed to all of the family and Adam if you're listening mate may you make a very speedy and very solid recovery and you're worth 20 of them 1850-715-996 I spoke earlier on this morning with Kieran Deneen who is a resident in Carrigaline uh, about the situation and about the fact that this is not the first incident involving this particular group Kieran, you've been talking to us before about problems in Carrigaline, groups of youths causing trouble and, and fighting and you say it's not locals involved in this no, PJ, it's it's certainly not local involved in this, um, and this is why I kind of wanted to speak to you this morning because a lot of people are getting the idea that it's it's fighting, but it's infighting between uh, different teams and gangs in Carrigaline, and it's not. Um, it, it's it's well known at this stage that it, it, it's a gang who are based in Ballincollig who are travelling down on the two twenty. Um, I, I don't particularly know why they chose Carrigaline in the first place. There, there are rumours about why it did start that way, but it's, at this stage, it's pretty irrelevant. Um, but it's been going on for about two years now. Um, I believe that, that the first attack was maybe the end of the summer of 2018, and a video went viral of uh, of a gang of youths kind of fighting um, outside Lidl mm. in. in Line and across the road and cars were beeping and trying to go past so it, it, it's fairly um, you know it's fairly extreme and I suppose the biggest incident uh, this, this, the, the stabbing of course over, over the weekend is, is definitely the biggest escalation of violence so far but we did see uh, kind of a prelude to it in March of last year uh, when the same group uh, don't know if it's the same individuals, but the same group uh, came down and um, uh, attacked uh, and uh, assaulted a young fella in Carrigaline, and then and then the, and then the uh, incident that happened on the Kilmoney Road uh, at, towards the end of last year, where the same group were getting on a bus, uh, they walked on the bus without paying, and a female bus driver, the female bus driver, told them to get off. Yeah. They called her a racist and threatened to rape her. And uh, you know, I, I can't. As, as far as I know, those those lads were were essentially sent home. I don't think any of them arrested the female bus driver. I don't think press charges. You had. I remember you had for a couple of days. You brought on the um, uh, 
the bus there in kind oh, of yeah. Just yeah. Her, her colleagues were her colleagues were up in arms about that, and we we had Dermot from the NBRU on as well. That was a huge incident, and many people have privately confirmed to me that it was the same gang. I think it's well. I think it's well known at this stage, PJ, that it is the same gang. It's just it hasn't been confirmed by the guards. What's come to light over the weekend, and look, it happens in the wake of every single one of these incidents, is, is skin colour. But a lot of people that I know in Carrigaline were contacting me at the weekend saying, PJ, whatever you say, this is not about race. There's no race divide in Carrigaline. This is just a group of troublemakers. Yeah, no, uh, and they're right. And this is the this is what what I suggested a couple of hours um, after after it all happened because I was actually out with a group of friends in Carrigaline myself, and I walked in the door. I looked at my phone, and I thought, Oh my God! I've just been out in this place, and I hear that there's a there's, there's a lad after being stabbed. Um, and uh, and the thing that and when I found out it was this group, the, the, the immediate thing that sprung to mind was lots of people are going to think that uh, there's a racial divide in Carrigaline and that there's blacks fighting whites and all this kind of carry on. But I, I had to make sure that people knew that they, they weren't even from Cardline. So that's that's why my my tweet kind of gathered a bit of momentum and then I seemed to attract a lot of these uh, fake profile um, racists from, they're probably not even real people, to be honest, yeah. um, you know, claiming that, uh, you know, oh, why are we trying to bury it and, um, yeah. you know, Trying to trying to make it a race issue when it when it's simply not the case. Yeah, what is the case is there's a problem, and a lot of people are pointing to the bus route mm-hmm. going right through from Ballincollig to Carrigaline, the first twenty four hour bus route in the country. All of that, great service. I live on that route myself. Was that bus route, in retrospect, a mistake? I I, I don't think you can say it's a mistake, PJ, because. You know, I've been I've been on the phone to you. Uh, it's probably over three years ago at this stage now, as a UCC student, saying that we need better bus services. Um, you can't take away a bus service that goes from one end of essentially Cork nearly to the other end, uh, with two po- two hugely populated towns providing a much needed twenty four hour service now at this stage. Mm. And I, I don't accept it because... You'd be well, punishing the many for the sins of the few anyway. Absolutely. And even if you do, if you shorten the bus journey, like you're, uh, let's say you go from Cork to CUH or whatever, or Carrigaline to CUH or whatever like that, but at the same time you have to put on a bus service for Ballincollig. So let's say you go from Ballincollig to Douglas. Sure, what's to stop these lads choosing Douglas as their next target? And they get on the bus and they get off in Douglas. We saw what happened in Mount Oval not that long ago. So they get on at Ballincollig, they get off in Douglas, they do the same thing. Are we going to get rid of that route then as well? What's strange so, at the moment, though, and this came up in the wake of Mount Oval, people were saying, oh, they came to Mount Oval on the bus. But at the moment, a single-decker bus is full with nine people, a double-decker full with 17 people. So are they getting on the bus? Or is there anything bus Aaron can do to stop large gangs getting on the bus? I I don't know how I don't know what bus drivers would do, and I don't think they should be put into a, a position where they're facing down a group of uh, you know male or female teenagers, whatever it be, to try and ask one or two of them to get off the bus. I don't think it's fair, and I don't think it's putting them in the right position. Mm. At the same time, I mean, I was bringing this up with actually a councillor 
from from Crosshaven recently, uh, asking them what the story was with some of the, the Church Bay and some of the other beaches down there that were, you know, attracting large groups of teenagers even during the phase one of the lockdown when there was still only a 5k limit. And uh, I asked her about the buses and she said, well, the, the guards from time to time are stopping the bus, but only from time to time. Now, if those lads were in a car and they were going anywhere, they would go through, let's say, a patrol and they would be stopped. But because it's a bus, the buses just aren't getting stopped. And obviously, as the restrictions are now loosening, those buses certainly won't be stopped at all and cars probably won't be stopped. So... Um, I think we're looking at the wrong problem. It's not the bus, and yeah. I've seen people comment about the bus and Cardline Notice Board and stuff like that about how it needs to be stopped, but it can't be stopped because it's a vital uh, bus service for people to use, not at the moment maybe, but prior to this we know that it's the uptake of it, it, it it's increased by about 60%, yeah. which is great. Well, it's hugely, hugely, hugely successful. What's the general mood in Carrigaline here on, I mean, you're a resident there. What was the mood like, say, yesterday afternoon going around in the wake of this horrific incident? Um, obviously very upset, but, the, the, but there was a lot of people out walking, you know, because it was a nice day. Um, you know, we're not going to be cowed by this in one in one way whatsoever. Um, I mean, obviously, people are extremely uh, disappointed uh, that the the incident happened, and people have been calling for Garda resources, etc., which has been going on for some time now. Th- th- this was also, a, you know, a, an agenda pushed by you that Cork needs new more guards and more resources. And mm. um, I mean, what I would say about last night is is that it seems to me that the guards actually. Um, came on the scene pretty quickly and they, they caught the lads in Douglas on the bus. Um, I mean, if there was more guards in Carrigaline, would the would the stabbing uh, not have happened? I don't think so, because the, how would they have prevented it in the first place? They can't be in every street corner. Yeah, exactly. But the, but the idea is that it's not the, the jail time or whatever penalty they're given uh, that scares them off. It's the idea that they're going to get caught that they won't do it. And if there is more presence on the streets, or even if Carrigaline gets a name that there's guards going on around constantly, it, that that idea goes into the head then. And in fairness, there has been um, a, a better Bobby's on the beat presence from the guards in Carrigaline prior to the lockdown. And it was great. There was lots of people saying, Jesus, look, there's a guard walking around Carrigaline. It was as if they hadn't seen one for 10 years. Yeah. And uh, it really did instill um, a bit more security in people. But like, from what I can see, the community uh, will be fine. You know, we kind of tend to know that th- these these lads are coming from Ballincollig. We know that maybe some others don't. Um, and as a result, I, I think we'll get, we'll get you through this fairly unscathed. Okay. Kieran, good to talk to you. Thanks very much. Thanks, PJ. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan on Courts 96 FM. We've tweeted that statement that we've been given by the family of young Adam, who was the victim on Saturday night. So if you want to go into the Opinion Line Twitter, you'll be able to read that. Um, and please share it. That you, that you can share. This is a statement issued to us at the Opinion Line by Emer, the mum of young Adam, who was... Uh, assaulted on Saturday night in Carrigaline. There's a court appearance in about half an hour. As soon as we have any more details of that, we'll come back to you with it. 
Mag says it was out about in Carrigline yesterday. The mood was one of disgust, anger and, of course, concern for poor Adam. Carrigline's a wonderful place to live. Certainly won't be brought down by the actions of these feral scuts. There's a great expression, feral scuts. Squid says building a half-hour scar the presence in Ballancolig was a bigger mistake than creating the 220 route. An area of 20,000 people should have a full-time guard the station. Listening again to the havoc dished out by young thugs, says this text, there's only one way to sort it permanently. Jail serves no purpose. They learn more and they swagger around like the big I am. The way to do it is hit them precisely where it hurts, in the pocket. The judge should rule that all the victim's medical expenses plus a suitable compensation should be directed directly to the Department of Social Welfare and taken it out of this thug's social welfare payment if they have one. If the thug had a bill of, say, 15k to pay off for the rest of his life, they might not be so brave in attacking people and the victims would get some satisfaction. Please read this out to see how much support is there. John says, Hi PJ, I've spoken to you uh, on board the 220, uh, at home from a night out. Yes, I think I know who you are, John. We both said how good it was and how well supported. We can't let a few destroy a great service for the majority. Gardy said it would call... Well, no, this is... where I don't know where this came from, but clearly it's someone in the know who says, please do not give out any details, which we're happy to not do. Gardy are called at least four or five times a day by bus errand inspectors, reissues on board buses. On most occasions, they don't turn up because they're stretched to the limit over insufficient numbers. It's unfair for people to expect a lone bus driver to confront these thugs or to ask for such a busy route to be curtailed because of a small minority. No, no, I'd be totally, totally opposed to this route being curtailed. Not just as a user of it, but as someone who believes you do not let thugs win. You don't let thuggery win. And if you curtail the 220 over this, you let thuggery win. 1857 Hi, PJ. I live in Ballancolic. I have a 17-year-old son myself. My son went to school with these scumbags. From a young age, we all know they were going to turn out like this. They're known as the P31 gang. They live all over Ballancolic, not just in one estate. What about the other three lads that were taken off the bus? Will they get a warning? I just want to wish the lad a speedy recovery. Most kids in the village are good but just a few bad eggs are going around. Yeah. Uh, I will just read that statement from Emer once more. Uh, contacted us to make this statement. We are the parents of the victim on Saturday night. We have experienced every parent's nightmare, but we're overwhelmed by people's well wishes and kindness. It has restored our faith in human compassion. We would especially like to thank the ambulance personnel, the staff at CUH, Gardaí, Carrigline Community, Ballygarvin GAA, and my son's friends, and indeed our own friends and family. The support has helped us hugely. Thanks also to Seamus McGrath and to Mike McGrath, and thanks to you, PJ. That statement issued to the opinion line at Cork's 96FM by the parents of the uh, victim in Saturday night's attack. 1850-715-996. Now, over the weekend... Uh, we had more controversy in the Magazine Road, Stoke College Road, Stoke Flashing Road, Stoke Highfield area, that general area. Now, for pure divament, on, on Friday night, I sat into my car and I drove up. It would have been around oh, half nine, quarter to ten, coming up for ten o'clock, 
So the off licenses would have been due to close. That was kind of why I did. it was still bright. And it took a mooch up around those areas. And I'll be honest, there's a centre there opposite Sissy Young's. That was busy. Uh, they're off licence there. There was a there's an off licence, is it a Galvin's down there across the road from Jackie Lennox's? There was a queue outside. And a lot of young people. But the queue outside Jackie Lennox's was busier, to be quite honest with you. And as you the further down you drove towards the Barrack Street end, the more activity I saw. Um, I saw a few young people around, up around Magazine Road, Lashine Road, with, with a few bags. You clearly they had bags of cans with them, and they were headed wherever they were headed. Did I see the so-called naked ecstasy parties starting anywhere? No, I didn't. Did I see mobs marauding the streets? No, I didn't. No, I didn't. I saw a few young people out enjoying themselves. Was what I saw. Now, Catherine Clancy from the Magazine Rose Residents Association. I didn't see much on Friday night at 10 o'clock. Was I, was I looking in the wrong direction? Good morning. Good morning, PJ. I suppose, PJ, first of all, what we have to do is acknowledge in the last number of days that things have hugely improved around our area. And I suppose, you know, we've had the guards who have been, and our community guards, we say all the time, they're fantastic. They're fantastic. And what they say to us, they're using the four E's to deal with the situation that we experienced, particularly on the June weekend. And what they're doing is they're engaging, they're explaining, and they're encouraging. And that has worked at a certain level, definitely. And I suppose in this particular area here, we've had the quietest two nights that we had in three weeks. Okay. But what we, what, where, we, where the gap is, um, PJ, is um, over the weekend, we have a wet residence WhatsApp. And we had a number of residents uh, onto us over the weekend who were suffering from uh, COVID-19 lockdown parties in, on their, in their community and on their streets. We had one resident on who um, the guards came to the house and there was actually a marquee set, out, or set up at the back. So what we're saying... Is in in that like, area now, whereabouts, yes, Catherine? Um, down near UCC. Near UCC. So at the Highfield end, shall we say? No, even near UCC. I'd say heading towards um, College Road. College Avenue that way. Around that area. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. So um, what we're saying at this stage is like, you know, and I was calling it the Racing Association, for the cohort of landlords who continually um, break regulations around COVID-19, for the cohort of young people who continually break. What we heard as well over the weekend, the people going to these parties, they were dressed as if they were going to a nightclub, all dressed up, and I can understand how young people want to get dressed up and want to get on with their lives. I mean, don't we all? Look, anyway, what what we want is we want the Gardaí with the HSE to go in, and he'll continue unless something like this is done, unless these houses are are you looking for the houses to be cleared, Catherine? We are. And we want the landlords because what we hear on our WhatsApp group as well, there are particular landlords whose names keep coming back to us. And um, the guards know who these landlords are. They know the houses. They've repeatedly called to these houses. Mm-hmm. It was a very easy job to lock down these houses, close them, put the fine in place that exists under the 147 on the landlords. And if these houses under actually... Under the what, sorry? 
uh, there's a legislation, the Health Act 1. Oh, the 1947 uh, Health Act. Yeah, right. This was to do with, with the, with the uh, previous epidemics and it's, yeah, it was, it's, it's what our COVID-19 restrictions are based yeah, on. and COVID-19 comes in under that as well, like, yeah. you know what I mean? And it, it gives the, um, the Gardaí and the HSE the power to go in, close down these houses, uh, find the landlords who have facilitated and continue to facilitate these lockdown parties, putting the health of our community and everybody else is at, at risk and they need to be fined for these landlords. And if these houses are to be opened up again, they need to be deep cleaned cleansed and fit for purpose and be passed by the HSE if they're ever to be opened up again. And PJ, could I just say as well, you know our community here and you drove around, as you say, over the weekend. We live in a fantastic area. We have fantastic community. We have fantastic neighbours. You can mm. see, but like, do you have to put that vigil together for three days only came because there's a sense of community and the people who cared deeply and dearly about their area. What we want is we want to go back to where we were three weeks ago living in uh, in harmony with the students that have always lived in our area, with the residents in our area. Yeah. It's the cohorts that have moved in. Now, the, the only thing is, like, mm-hmm. Catherine, it, it, it would have to be said, and this is just yes. from my own research, Okay, you're not really talking about the majority of these young people being students. Ex- they're not students. Exa- they're not, they're no, they're not exactly. Many of them are just working and have decided to move in. There. No, they're not. They're not the people that have caused the problems for us. The people who caused the problems for us. We have HSE workers renting all around us. Yes, I have uh, long-term students um, two doors down from me. They've been here all along. Yes, and, uh, but how do you know up. that the people making trouble are students? How do you know? Well, I, I tell you what. I've, what well, or I suppose um, perception. Our perception, that's all we can have, of okay. the people who moved in here three weeks ago, what they told us and what we witnessed. First of all, very much uh, leaving search students, because you their age profile, we can, you know, that's what we're seeing. Leaving search students, uh, students who would have gone on the J1s and students who would have gone on the COVID-19. And some of them haven't come very far. Okay. okay. Stay there a second, Catherine, because yeah. and I, 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 I am going to bring... Uh, Councillor Lorna Bogue of the Green Party on to talk about something else, but okay. but I know she wants to address this issue. So stay where we are there, Catherine. Okay, Talking to Catherine you. Clancy from the uh, Magazine World Residents Association. Lorna Bogue, good morning. Morning. How are you, PJ? <coughs> good. You um, wanted us to look at this from another angle, I think, did you? Um, yeah. So I, I suppose just before um, we, we move on to this topic, um, just to just to give my sympathies to um, Emer and um, her son as well. Like um, you know, your, your heart will really yes. go out um, to that family. And you know, like there there has been a bit of an uptick in terms of um, assaults lately. Um, I mean, like this is something that we've been discussing on the Joint Policing Committee of Cork City Council. Um, Garda Commissioner Drew Harris was due to come down to us before all of this. Um, everything kind of happened so it feels like years ago but it's actually a few months ago um so um hope, hopefully i i would i would i would i would hopefully i would hope anyway that um the garda commissioner can make it down as soon as possible make it a priority actually to get down to our meeting because um you know we, there's a few issues that we have okay. wanted to discuss for quite some time in terms of resourcing so you know and it kind of feeds into um this issue as well because um i i agree with a lot of what um what Catherine is saying um, on this particular issue, um, you know, I, I think I think while we've all seen the social media posts and we've seen, you know, some overreactions. Um, to be fair, um, I, I do think that um, you know people in the area from speaking to them, you know, they are afraid. Um, and you know, if you're an elderly person, you're cocooning, and then there's you see people outside, 
you know, and they're not social distancing perhaps. Like that's that's scary, you know. So um I've I've a lot of I've a lot of sympathy for um for everyone in the area. Um and my, my sister actually lives there herself. Um mm. she's doing a PhD, she's a smart one in the family. So um <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and has she noticed an influx of, of strangers, shall we say? Um well not particularly. Um so not not any different than usual, but I suppose what happens during the summer as well is that the um, the accommodation that normally would be taken up by students um, is very cheap in the summer. So there's there's particular summer rates for them. Um, so I'm I'm guessing that um, like from from what from what some residents have said to me as well, it does seem as though I'd, I'd be reluctant to call them students because it seems as though the the people who are causing the issues are not students yet per se mm-hmm. um and that it is i have i've i've heard i've heard about this um this idea as well that um you know there are some people who instead of going on their big class holiday uh-huh. after and leaving church that they're yeah. going although if, um, if you, there was a particularly unsavory and unpleasant incident last week which we highlighted very much on the program here and it word got back to us that all the residents in that house are working full time yeah, exactly, exactly. But but that's the problem is that um, I suppose at the moment because you know everyone is in lockdown, um, any kind of incident that happens at the moment is news that is not related to COVID necessarily. So of course um, it does tend to get um, reported on in a different way because um, you know I was at an event um, a few months ago as well, and that was held in that was held in UCC. So um, like it seems that during term time. That um, that UCC is engaging quite a lot with the residents. Um, it just seems as though I, see, I suppose nobody really expected that people would be going on holiday. Yeah, on even though bo- both both presidents of CIT and UCC said at the weekend, reminding students that are students at any of the two colleges, you are still uh, obliged to abide by by, coll- by college rules. Just before I let Catherine go, though, Lorna, and we get on to street furniture and that kind of thing that you want to talk about, do you agree with Catherine Tansy, who suggests that perhaps the houses should be cleared using the 1947 Health Act? Um, I, I wouldn't necessarily go down that route. I think it's a more systemic kind of issue. So um, as Catherine has identified, there are landlords um, in the area who are less than scrupulous in terms of um, the number of people that they would regardless. So even during normal times, um, there's a lot of student accommodation around there that's overcrowded, that there's too many people actually in these houses. And like it doesn't serve the students because they're living in overcrowded conditions. And then obviously issues arise, <clears throat> sorry, as a result of that. Um, but then on the other hand, I mean, you know, it sort of seems strange to me that, like, in the middle of a pandemic, a landlord would be taking in new tenants for a summer let. Like, that that sort of seems a bit um, odd to me. Um, so I, I, I'd, I, I, think, I, I think I would agree with Catherine in terms of, like, it does appear that the systemic issue here is that there are landlords in the area who just don't particularly, you know, um, care. care too much mm. um, about the local residents. Um, it seems as though they're just interested in making money. I mean, like if you're if you're renting out a place for the summer, again in the middle of a pandemic, you'd sort of be asking yourself, well, hang on a second, why are people booking in for a summer let? 
yeah. um, in my house. You know, like, well, if you were scrupulous about it, or you'd at least sort of maybe ask, you know, well, are you working? What's 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 going on? Why are you mm. moving at this point in time? Um, so yeah, because I mean, like, uh, from from chatting to residents as well. You know, there are issues with these particular landlords too in terms of um, rubbish, in terms of littering, um, in terms of not actually disposing of rubbish on their properties um, or even um, in some instances dumping their rubbish in other people's properties. Okay. Um, so that's a, that's, a, that's a big problem as well. I suppose the other issue that um, I wanted to... I'm going to come back to you on that. I'm going to take yeah. a commercial break and just say thank you. Just one, la- one last word to, to, to Catherine. Are you going to try and pursue, Catherine Clancy, the, the clearing of the houses using the 1947 Act? Well, we're not going to pursue, but we're calling on the HSE and the Garda Shikona. And as Lorna outlined there, like, you know, there are some landlords, um, you know, who just um, won't listen, won't do anything unless probably their pockets are affected. All right, leave it there for Catherine Clancy, Lorna Bogue of the Green Party. Staying with me because businesses are reopening around the city and county today and thrilled to see them opening and delighted to see them back. And if you're running a business, then let us know who you are and where you are and we give you a shout. Problem, there won't be any toilets or a very major shortage of toilets anyway. And it's one of the things that Lorna Bogue wants to bring before council. I'll talk to her about that next. 1850-715-996. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With the Solid Fuel Depot at Drew's Filling Station, Turner's Cross. Open every day for all your solid fuels. Barbecue, gas and charcoal. Solidfueldepot.ie. A customer complained uh, that when they opened their barbecue, you know those small little portable barbecues you buy in the shop for a tenner? Yeah. There was no food in there. Put a picture of sausage on the box. When I said, that's just a picture to indicate what you can cook, she said, oh, I have four more at home in the freezer. <laughs> <laughs> in the freezer! Casey and Ross in the morning. Cooks 96 this is Cork's Gold Imro Award-winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 083-396-9696. On Cork's 96FM. So, today a lot of shops are opening, but there's going to be a problem, uh, particularly in small cafes, which would normally offer a takeaway. Um, you can't use the toilet. All the public toilets are closed. None of the hotels and the pubs are open, so you can't nip in there for a, if you're caught short. So, so where are we going to go to the toilet today? And this is one of a number of problems that I guess you wouldn't think about until you actually have to. But uh, Lorna Bogue was thinking about it in advance, and you're going to try and bring something to council about it, Lorna, are you? That's right. Um, so um, some of our councillors in um, Dublin brought in a similar motion and already it's been actioned, which is great. Um, so Dublin City Council has started to put up um, uh, public toilet facilities um, for people to use because, um, I, I mean, off the top of my head, like if I was in town, I'd probably go to Merchants Key or Brown Thomas, um, you know, like, but those are upstairs. Um, so if you're an older person, you probably nip into a pub or a restaurant or 
you know, somewhere on the ground level um, to go. So, um, yeah, it's um, it's just it's just an issue that's been there for quite some time um, in terms of people actually having um, access in town as well, because um, older people are people with um, specific types of disabilities. Like, they, they do need those facilities. So it's about um, just starting a conversation about it and seeing if it's something that we can um, get sorted. Yeah, because... It would be a bit of a problem to come in and start doing a bit of shopping and then be caught short in in the middle. And I suppose the public toilets are closed for specific hygiene reasons. Yeah, so they they, they would appear to be for the time being. But I mean, those, those public toilets on Grand Parade in particular have always been problematic in terms of actually having them open mm. um, because, um, you know, you'd, you'd kind of have um, you kind of have hazardous waste um, put in there yeah. or they just wouldn't be clean. Um, so um, I, I suppose it's just to start a conversation with Cork City Council and see if there's any other type of model that we can um, look at. Because um, in other European cities, for example... Or to lose... Um, well, I mean, I, 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 ideally it wouldn't be port to lose um, I mean, like Dublin City Council has constructed an actual structure um, that's similar enough to um, what's, what's on Grand Parade. Um, but the main thing really is just that they're maintained and that there's someone um, keeping them clean and looking after them as well. So, um, yeah, in, in other European cities, what they do is um, the council will have... The council will put up the facilities, but then they'll you know, allow a private operator perhaps to come in and they look after it um, and then they might charge a small fee for it um, or, you know, like there's, there's there's different ways around it. Really. Well, at so, the moment, um, in the interests of, of safety, we need a high level of sanitation on, on any mm-hmm. public facility. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Because if you're touching surfaces, then... Um, you know, you'd, you'd, you'd need it to be um, pretty much cleaned um, very, very frequently um, to avoid um, community transmission of the virus. So it's, it's something that will require resources, but I think it's an important issue because, um, again, like if you're an older person or if you're someone with um, a specific set of um, disabilities, like it can be just really... You know, like for 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 you and me, it's kind of funny, like oh, getting caught short, like yeah. you know. Ha, well, ha, I'm thinking ha, of whatever, someone, for example, Lorna, and and I've spoken to them on this program. Someone with, for example, Crohn's disease, or or yeah. or, or, or any number of conditions like that. That literally, you gotta go. You gotta yeah. go. Yeah, yeah, and can be really embarrassing for people. And you know, you shouldn't like the facility should be there so that um, you can go about town the same as um, the rest of us. You know. Okay. All right. Listen, leave it there. Thanks very much. That's Lorna Bogue of the Green Party Councillor, Lorna Bogue. We did ask City Hall about this and about playgrounds or whether they're going to be open or not because they can open from today. But again, they've got to be supervised and, and all of this. Cork City Council acknowledges the significant changes in phase two and are reviewing the implications of reopening playgrounds in the current circumstances. Playground inspections will be carried out this week to see if there's any damage to equipment with a view to getting the sites open as soon as possible. Signage will also need to be installed. Cork City Council is reviewing the need to install public toilets at specific locations. Well, I wouldn't be reviewing the need. I'd recognise that there actually is one. Oh, yeah. oh, do they need toilets there? We'll have a think about it. No, they do need toilets. Find a way to do it. 
Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Botox Cosmetic, Adobotulinum Toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your Cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. 1850 Just getting back to... Uh, College Road and the College Road District briefly. Tom knows Catherine Clancy well. She's been truthful. This woman who's on there now seems to be arguing semantic points. This is Lorna about whether these Scots are students or not. It doesn't matter a rattling damn who they are. They're breaking the law. Uh, People accusing Lorna of downplaying the problem. I'm living in the area, says this caller. I can tell you while not all our students, most are People don't realise that older people and couples with young babies are literally having to move on because of the behaviour getting so bad in the last 10 years. Last year there was a week I didn't get sleep for five days straight. I had to sleep with a relative to get a break. It was never like this and the more they get away with it, the worse they get. (laughs) Uh, I'll read that in a second. Have we seen the death of social distancing, even on College Road? What moral authority have the Gardaí to enforce it? after allowing and facilitating the protests in the last few days. While many people were at home brokenhearted because they couldn't go to a funeral. Shame on the protesters and shame on the Gardaí, says Frank. And a lot of that issue came up with regard to... And we did we thought on Friday it had been cancelled. But in actual fact, a Black Lives Matter... or a Black Lives Matter protest did go ahead in Cork on Friday afternoon. Started shortly after we were on the air. Katie went down actually to have... Uh, to, to meet some of the people involved, and we may get to, to play that before the end of the show. But, but, like, should that have been allowed to happen? And is Frank making a valid point? Like, if you try to organise a water charges protest, or if you try to organise a pro-life protest, or any kind of a protest at all, last Friday, a mass gathering of several hundred or maybe more people, would you have been allowed to do it? But they didn't break this one up. After watching... Normal people on RTE. Lots of young people just wanted to find rooms to go riding. Hence the huge increase in demand. Okay. I think that's the comment of the day. 1850 715 996. 
The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With the indoor self-service laundrette at Drew's Filling Station, Turner's Cross. Remaining open every day for all your laundry needs. Selfservicelaundry.ie Access all areas on Cork's 96FM. Your guide to nightlife on the side. Hi, it's Michael with the latest on Cork's entertainment. Completing Triscoll's online piece-by-piece series is Belfast Harper and sound artist Una Monaghan. Una will perform on Triscoll's Facebook page and in Music Company's YouTube channel on Friday night at 8pm and the whole series can be viewed on the same platforms. Access all areas. Rising Irish rockers Inhaler have a new single titled Falling In just released and tickets are now on sale for their next Cork show taking place in Cypress Avenue on Tuesday, October 6th. There's more info and tickets available at cypressavenue.ie. Access all areas. Feel free to let us know at Access All Areas if you have a rescheduled show coming up or any live streaming events by emailing aaa at 96fm.ie. Access all areas. Your guide to nightlife on the side. On Cork's 96FM. This is Cork's Gold Imro Award winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now. 1850 715 On Cork's 96FM. Just a message in saying the public toilets in Cove are now open to the public. Kevin says, lads, parents, before you leave the house, keys, phone, money, go to the toilet, you and the kids, this isn't difficult. I know, Kev, it's not difficult for most of us, but there are people who get caught short a lot more frequently than just going to the toilet before you leave the house. 1850 We have been welcoming since uh, early this morning, and lovely to see the posters uh, on the various sites around town, yay Cork have them up, welcome back Cork and we are welcoming back this morning a lot of businesses who have been closed since the middle or end of March and look, it's risky times, we don't know what's going to happen we hope everything will pass off without incident and without a flare in this blasted virus but we wish everybody the best of luck because we've got to get our economy back. We have to protect our health and protect our well-being and all of that. But we've also got to get our economy back and back up working. And if you look at the industries that are not coming back, Debenhams not coming back. Big controversy there, of course. Oasis not coming back. Warehouse not coming back. Monsoon not coming back. Jam Cafe Moda in Mallow, Brennan's Cook Shop. I was shocked to read that at the weekend. Hairspray, Holland and Barrett in Paul Street, and Technic in Paul Street. Lots of other shops that just won't make it through, won't get back, won't open their door again. They seem to have been paddling along nicely before COVID 19 struck, but now, no, they're gone. But Look, a lot of other businesses coming back. Happy to mention yours, if yours is one of them. Uh, 083 396 96 96. And we've got a couple of people we're going to talk to. Grace Keane is from Silk Peaches. It's a boutique in Ballincollig. Grace, good morning. Hello, PJ. How are you? Great. You're able to open as of this morning. Is it 10, 10 o'clock you opened or what? No, 10.30. We're due to open now in the next few minutes. So okay. we're opening at 10.30. And um, yeah, we're going to stay open until 5 o'clock today. So we, we normally stay open until 6. But we just for the interim, we're going to shorten our hours a little bit. And have you been asked to delay your opening till 10 or half past? Is that the case? Yeah, 10.30 was in the announcement on Friday. So that's the guidelines that were given. So that's what we're going to go with. How do you feel about it? 
Um, it's okay. I think, you know, we have to do what we have to do. You know, this is the hand we're being dealt with. Um, and it's obviously we want, you know, people's safety and health is the first most thing that's most important to us. So we just have to go with it, you know, and adapt mm. to it, really. How will shopping change in Silk Peaches or indeed any small to medium-sized shop like that? Um, I suppose hand sanitization is, you know, is main priority. So when you come in our shop door now, we have hand sanitizer inside the door. Um, I've got a one-way system in place also. Um, so, yeah, I suppose that, like, you know, I do have two dressing rooms open. I have one blocked off. If people, it's a personal choice. If someone wants to feel comfortable trying something, they can. We will be um, seeing the clothes afterwards. You know, I will be sanitizing the, um, the, the, the steel bit on the top of the hanger. And um, so, yeah, I suppose it's going to, it's, it's, there is a change there. You know? Labour intensive. Yeah, it will be labour intensive, but I suppose we just have to get on with it. You know, yeah. we want our business to survive. You know, we want to get back up and going. So we just have to do what we have to do, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess it'll only be a, a day or two before you know whether people are going to come back in the doors. Because I think exactly. some people might be nervous as well initially. Yeah, and we're very, you know, we're very aware of that. So I, before all this, I didn't have an online business um, because Ballancadig was such a, you know, it's a great town. The population was great here. Um, my shop was busy as it was, but now I have an online shop since last Monday, so I, you know, I'm promoting that. I feel if people aren't comfortable coming into the shop, they can shop online. We also offer click and collect service, right? So they can come to the shop door, and we can pass the package out to them if they want. If they don't want it delivered, yeah. there's um, a there's a whole new element whole new, to retail yeah. that people are just going to have to embrace. Many many exactly. different aspects of doing business. Completely, and I think you know it's it's a change for everyone. It's a change for the business owner. It's a change for the customer. It's just all about adapting, and I suppose you just need to adapt very quickly. And that's what I felt we needed to do with this. You know, we just had to get on the bandwagon very quickly to adapt to try and okay. survive. So that's all we can do, really. But yeah, we're very hopeful for our business. And you know, I think since we started the website, I have hope now that I, you know, I, I'm, I'm it's an arm onto my business that I can offer that service. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like, have you heard or heard from or met any of your supporters, customers during during lockdown? I did. Do you know what? I've met them in the supermarket. They've been on contact through the phone with me, through social media. The sport has been amazing. And I think now more than ever, I think people want to support local business. Mm. They always did, don't get me wrong. But I think now more than ever, they definitely do. I think we're all very conscious of spending our money within Ireland supporting our local towns like these we all need these businesses to survive you know Um, that an an old school friend got in touch from the uk yeah a girl i was in primary school with um and she sent me a message that she wanted to buy a voucher for her sister and yeah it was lovely brilliant really lovely that's yeah good. people are unbelievable that's great support alright Grace listen good luck with it As Grace P- Grace Keane from Silk Peaches in Ballancolic now Bronwyn Connolly is with Wild Design we were on before I think Bronwyn talking about vending machines and all of that but you're you're open again as of today good morning morning PJ how are you good um, I'm opening tomorrow morning tomorrow yeah, as of okay. 10.30 yes yeah right. we're easing ourselves in gently Yeah. I mean, obviously, over the weekend, people like yourself and the Grace and others will have studied um, phase two plus, as they're calling it, in in some depth. So what are you allowed to do and what are you not? Um, I suppose the hours are a little bit restricted, um, PJ, you know, the the early morning hours, the opening, 10.30, um, obviously the... 
distance inside in the shop and for me like that's very difficult PJ because I have a tiny little store you know so I can only have max two people inside in the shop now and then myself um and just obviously the sanitization and everything like Grace spoke about there so it's all very different PJ like there's a lot of changes you know and everyone's had to sit down and think about how we're going to adapt to those changes. So how will how will business change in your outlet? Uh, well, what we'll be doing, PJ, is that this week we're just opening, kind of easing ourselves in. And then next week what we'll be doing is we'll having a specific hours for the elderly in the morning, you know, if they want to come in and kind of shop safely, I guess, you know, without the hustle and bustle. And then we'll be doing um, personalised. So if somebody wants to come in and book in, you know, exclusively a quarter of an hour to be in their shop on their own, we're going to be doing that as well because a lot of people are nervous, PJ, you know. Um, and I suppose I'm a little bit nervous myself. Yeah. Well, you would be, wouldn't you? You know. Yeah, yeah. It's very, I mean, we're all navigating in very uncharted waters, I guess. So, mm. and like patience is going to be a big thing that we're all going to have to have because nobody's going to be used to queuing for 15 minutes to get into their favourite shop, you know. And you know that's that's going to be okay on a lovely morning in June like this. Exactly. But if that goes into cold, wet, and windy November, it, yeah. it can't really. It's not sustainable. No, no, it's definitely not sustainable. I mean, already where I am, you can see the the queue in Paul Street. You know, it's, it's out around the plaza, which, like you said, is fine on a nice day. But I mean, once we get into winter, it's going to be a very different story. You know. Yeah, come here. You're no stranger to um, <laughs> to problems. Since you opened. Since I opened, oh PJ, yeah. I took over the shop from my mum in October 2017. Uh, and it's gas, because mum was a, a candle shop, obviously, for 23 years there. And a week later, Ophelia came, and it was the biggest power outage in the country. But we were no longer a candle shop. And everybody was looking for candles. And so we obviously had to close, and then... You know, we survived that and we had Christmas or whatever. And then we had, of course, the Beast from the East. Oh, and, again, which was another forced closure. And then we were just back after that and we had the Panaban, you know. Oh, so. no. And then the pandemic. So I've only been trading for less than three years, PJ. And I've had I tell you, I'd say it would be easier to open a shop in Game of Thrones. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. There's certainly been a lot of challenges. Um, All right. But we've grown nonetheless, you know, and we've bounced back. All right. Well, listen, good luck to you with this and with the return from pandemic and strange time, strange times ahead. Thanks very much for that, Bronwyn. Bronwyn Connolly from Wild Designs. That's a thing, though, isn't it? I mean, we've gotten kind of used to queuing. When the hardware stores opened there the June weekend, I went down to B&Q to pick something up and I had to stand in... The car park at B&Q, I think it was probably about 25 or 30 minutes. But it was a gorgeous morning. The sun was baiting down and I had my headphones on. And I didn't care. I really, really didn't care. It was a lovely morning. But that won't work in October, November. It just won't, like. So what are we, how are we going to deal with that? 1850-715-996. Declan says, online shops with free returns will be the big winner after covid Never buy maybe two sizes of the same thing. Overbuy maybe two sizes of the same thing and return what you don't need. Sounds very stressful to the clothes shopping under these conditions. Due to no fault of the shop owners, I feel sorry for them. On toilets, don't want to know why can't they just open the shops in, or open the toilets in shopping centres and put a cleaner in there. Sean was in Monkstown last Sunday for a walk. Public toilets locked. No shops. No cafes open. 
Couldn't even get a cup of coffee. There was no seating anyway. It was joyless, says Sean. We asked people to mention new biz- or businesses that are reopening and trying to deal with the, the changed world. Michael Varian, please say all the best to Michael Varian, reopening the vape store in Marlborough Street today. Uh, we've also heard throughout this pandemic that parcel deliveries in Cork have gone from a usual quarter of a million to 1.1 million a week. Wow! That's quadrupled during lockdown. We still don't know when the barbers will be able to open and the hairdressers. At the moment, it's the 20th of July, which is now the new last stage. But the hairdressers are looking for an opportunity to open on the 29th of June to try to get some people in and just save their businesses. And we shouldn't really laugh. They're trying to save their businesses. And at the moment, they'll be the very last people to be back because the pubs, that can be restaurants. They're to open on the 29th of June. The hotels are to open on the 29th of June. But the hairdressers uh, are now still stuck until the 20th of July. And they're lobbying to get opened earlier than that. It's one we will watch. NCT as well. Your NCT is already going to start opening again. A few different centres opening and it'll be phased and the driving licence theory test is reopening. And over the course of the week, we'll clarify the whole lot for you as we move into as you move into uh, stage 2-1 or 2 plus. And of course, pennies. Pennies, girl! Pennies are opening next week. Friday, we think. It's Friday. And if they're in a centre, it'll be sometime next week. Penny's big problem is that Penny's is usually, and I mean this from coming from the kindest part of my heart, Penny's is usually like a beehive. It's like shopping in a beehive. You know, that's what everyone, it's just one of Penny's. How they're going to police that, I have no idea. That's probably why they're waiting so long to, to reopen. 1850 We talked so much during the course of lockdown about domestic violence and abuse and how it must be horrible, so horrible to have to live under the closed, confined conditions we were in with the risk, always the risk of violence, aggression. There were massive um, ups- upswings in the number of calls to helplines. Many of the services remained in place as best they could accommodating people. There was a 25% increase in the reporting of domestic violence nationally. Boots also um, launched a fabulous initiative for a safe space. More about that in just a sec. But Katrina O'Neill is a social worker with Cooan Lee. Katrina, good morning. Hi, PJ. How are you? Good. As we come back to some semblance of normal life, what will be the sense among you and your colleagues? Some some bit of relief? Yeah, like I suppose, um, even though the restrictions are lifting some bit, um, I think we'll... You know, it will still be very, very difficult for people um, to, I suppose, to kind of who have been living with the domestic abuse for so long, mid these restrictions, to kind of to try and break free from that. Because I know I spoke to you previously about the, you know, the isolation tactics, like that's what an abuser would have used um, to kind of, you know, keep perpetrating the abuse and violence. So, but those are the tactics that were helping to end COVID. Um, it'll be very hard now to, for for women and children to break free of that. Yeah. All of the helplines were very active uh, throughout the course of, of, of lockdown. The one thing you couldn't do was meet people face to face. How much harder did that make it? Yeah, that made it, um, I suppose we just had to get really creative with how we were working. 
So like since restrictions have been put in place, like we like I know throughout the whole of the country that they've seen an, in- an increase, but ourselves here in Coonley, there's been a massive increase in the helpline. But even though our face-to-face contact like had to go on pause, still our outreach service has been busier than ever. So like by outreach, we've just gotten a bit more creative with doing it by email, phone, text, things like that. Mm. Um, but yet, like I suppose for many women, they have spoken about how difficult they have found it to actually reach out for support because, you know, that they're afraid of kind of like their, their partner overhearing the phone conversation. Yeah. So they're saying they're trying to get out and have a walk and then phone us. So I suppose that really ties in with this whole new um, initiative that's been launched by in partnership with Boots and Safe Ireland because yeah. it's offering another avenue for people, for women to come and seek support. So it's absolutely fantastic and greatly welcomed. Yeah, it's, it's a clever idea that people can go into a Boots uh, and... Uh, They'll get they'll be granted access to a safe space, a consultation room, and then they can use that space to contact any one of the the services. That's a brilliant initiative. Yeah, exactly. So, like women who are experiencing domestic abuse and violence, they can go into any booths across the country. And so these safe spaces are being held in the pharmacy consultation room. So it's a very uh, private, confidential and non-judgmental space where a woman can contact any of their local um, domestic abuse services. So the boot staff, um, they're offering, you know, this safe space. And, you know, I suppose the motto is that anyone who comes looking for it, they will be heard and they will be believed. The staff will then, you know, link them into their local domestic violence support where they can talk then to a trained professional about what has been happening about yeah. and about getting that support then. It's a, it's, right. a, it's a great initiative and fair play to boost for it. Oh, absolutely. Like, I suppose um, the biggest thing as well about trying to end and tackle domestic abuse is that I really have, you know, if we want to have safe homes, we really must have safe communities and communities who do not only not tolerate abuse, but who are actively working to end it. So this is really, I suppose, where Boots have stepped up and... Um, you know, they're, they're, it's a community-based movement that's happening nationwide yeah. in domestic abuse and cohesive control. So it's it's absolutely brilliant. And as I said, it just offers another avenue for people to be able to come forward. Okay. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan on Courts 96 FM. Coming up, the weather is improving. We've had a little bit of sunshine, beautiful June weekend, lots of nice sunshine yesterday around, particularly around the beaches. But we need to mind ourselves. And the annual reminder that we need to mind ourselves in the sun. Uh, that's coming up in just a while. Simon Coveney, Tonishta, uh, has issued, and of course, resident of Carrigaline, has issued a statement with regard to the incident in Water Park on Saturday night. He said, This is a shocking attack. People in Carrigaline are angered and disturbed by it. Our thoughts are with the victim and his family. The public should not post information or images. It may impact on the ability of the Gardaí or the courts to get justice. If you have information, please talk to the Gardaí. And so say all of us. Definitely very much in agreement with that comment. I see an awful lot of people still trying to push us down a race road here with regard to the coverage of this story. We won't be going down that road. And one of the reasons is that the young lad's best friend actually tweeted last night on behalf of young Adam who say... This had nothing to do with his colour. So get off that particular bandwagon and find another one.
would be a good thing to do. Good way to spend your Monday. 1857-15996. Text to WhatsApp is 083-396-9696. And the email is opinion at 96fm.ie. We're on Twitter at opinionline96. And if you want to message us on Facebook, you go to the Cork's 96FM Facebook page and mark your message for the attention of the opinion line. On businesses and the reopening of businesses, Angeline says, I don't expect... So, hi, Angeline, in Germany. I don't expect Ireland to copy us, and this text isn't intended this way, but our hairdressers have been open for four weeks at least, and there have been no negative effects. I've been thinking, Angeline, that I'm inclined to agree with you here, because particularly in women's hairdressers, and I don't wish to be in any way sexist or biased here, but there's more soap and water used in women's hairdressers. We were told at the very start of this, soap and water, soap and water, soap and water, soap and water. So if you're getting your head washed and people washing their hands around you every five minutes, that's got to be a really good barrier. Doesn't it? Doesn't that make sense in your mind? Because it makes sense in mine. Stephen says a lot of businesses were going anyway. It was only a matter of time. Like Debenhams, Oasis and Warehouse and Monsoon, they used the COVID pandemic to speed it up. The others, I believe, is because of rent and rates which should have been frozen from when this first started. 1850-715-996. Aoife Barry, good morning to you. Thank you, Jay Herthing. Good, good. I want to talk about your unfortunate brush with skin cancer and, and how it has changed your attitude, I guess, to the sun. Were you a sun worshipper or were you someone who just liked to, to, to get out under the sun at the first opportunity? I think that's the the kind of funny thing is like I'm the opposite to a sun worshipper so I'm really really pale so I burn quite easily and um, when I was a kid I definitely like we went on holidays a few times to like abroad to France and you know I grew up in the 80s and 90s when you know we knew we had to wear SPF we probably all weren't as fastidious about it as people are now so a lot of the damage that I did to my skin without realizing was I think when I was a child because when I got into my teens I got a lot more conscious about it I wouldn't have been laying out in the sun I kind of hate actually laying out sunbathing so you know the fact that I actually ended up getting um, skin cancer I suppose is proof of, of what was going on in the 80s and 90s but yeah. also I suppose you know when I when I did get diagnosed the couple of the consultants and said that people are getting younger and younger and a lot of it is also to do with just say the ozone layer and the fact that the UVA and UVB rays are actually a lot stronger now so yeah. it's kind of like the the way the world works at the moment as well isn't isn't really helpful for So when did you first notice something? So basically, about maybe maybe two years ago now, actually at this stage, the time kind of uh, passes quite quickly, I noticed I had a little patch of skin under my right eye, maybe like half an inch or so under my right eye, mm. near my nose. And um, I thought it was just like dermatitis or something, you know, it just looked like a patch of flaky skin about like the size of a two cent coin. Um, and I just kind of kept an eye on it. It was just more annoying than anything else. Was you it was sore, no? No, it wasn't. Um, but then after a little while, I noticed a little bit of blood coming out of it. And I had a kind of proper look at it. And it looked like a small little, a perfect, tiny little a circle, kind of the size of a pinprick. Um, and blood was coming out. And I thought, God, that's a bit weird. But then I thought, you know, maybe, I, you know, maybe because it's flaky skin, maybe a little bit, some it came off while I was putting on my makeup or taking it off. And sure, you know, I was kind of saying, look, it's it's probably something... Um, 
something like dermatitis. Now, at the back of my mind, I suppose I did think, you know, when you get something weird at your skin, you do think, oh, maybe a skin cancer, but you don't really think that that could be it. Yeah. So I went along merrily anyway, just covering it up with makeup. And, you know, it really wasn't that noticeable. It's just because I look in the mirror at my face every day, I could see it. Um, but then about six or seven months later, I went on holidays uh, with one of my best friends in New York. And the place we were staying had a really good mirror in the bathroom. And I could really see that this patch had grown and that it was bleeding again. Um, and that was March of last year. And right. um, and was I, there ever pain, Aoife, no? No, there wasn't. And, you know, like, if you... What I really learned is, like, if you look up, and there's really good information online, obviously, like, the Irish Cancer Society has information on what to, what to look out for. You know, I have a lot of moles and things like that, and I always thought if something happened, it would be because I had a mole on my skin. Uh, but this just, just looks like a bit of dermatitis, but the blood, I suppose, should have been a... The little bit of bleeding should have been um, a sign. Um, and I decided to go to the doctor when I came back from New York, and I had another thing on my arm that I wanted her to check out as well that maybe looked like a bite that had gotten, gone a bit weird or something. And she looked at that and said, oh, that's fine. And then she looked at my face. And what had also happened in the meantime is I had a spot on that part of my face, just like a pimple, you know, like mm. you normally get. But it was a very unusual place to get a pimple on your face. You, you don't have a lot of oil glands there. It's a bit it's a bit weird. And so I was kind of saying, um, it's just under this spot. I just had this patch. And I felt really kind of like awkward saying it. Or I felt like I was maybe overreacting. But she really didn't like the look of it. Um, and she got me an appointment. She asked me, did I want to go privately? Now, I don't have um, a health insurance to my work or anything, but my partner does, and I was covered through that. So I have to say I was really lucky um, in terms of that. Um, yeah. And I wanted to speed things up. I would, I'm happy to go with whatever way suits, you know. But I said, look, in, 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 speed is the essence. Um, so I got an appointment with the dermatologist, and what they do is they... They take a biopsy if they're worried about the thing on your skin. And a biopsy is basically a really small little patch of the skin is taken out and yeah. they test that. So I got that done. And that was probably the most uncomfortable part of the whole thing um, because you feel people, you feel someone sewing up your face, which is not very nice. Um, so I got this biopsy done and I actually waited a good few months to find out um, what it was. Um, I was waiting a, a month or so to get a letter from them. Um, and they sent me a letter and said, will you come in and see us? In another month, and I thought, well, she look, it's not skin cancer if I'm waiting a month yes, to see them. You would think that, you know, wouldn't you? Yeah, yeah, you think be grand. And when I went in, you know, I sat down, and she said, yeah, you know, we've had a look, and it's basal cell carcinoma, so it is skin cancer. It's a non-melanoma, so people have probably heard of melanoma yeah. and non-melanoma. So the non-melanoma, I was very lucky, is the I suppose quote in quote marks the better kind to have in the sense that the the risk of it spreading to other parts or other organs is much, much, much lower. It's quite rare for that to happen, but it can happen. Yeah. Um, and I caught it very early. So I was then able to decide which treatment um, I would go down. But I had to go see another consultant to figure that out. Right. And that involves, they basically say to you, do you, you know, the options where I have it, put a cream, use a cream or have um, surgery. So I went to see a plastic surgeon because if you're getting uh, that kind of surgery done on your face, they have to remove the layers of skin, the, the cancerous layers. And there's a few different surgeries they can do. And I've been looking them up to see, you know, I was looking stuff up online, reading other people's stories, looking at things on Instagram. And um, so I was fully prepared to have surgery on my face. But when I went to the consultant, he was concerned about my age and where the, where the kind of the cancer was on my face. And he felt that there'd be scarring there. Yeah. No, I didn't really mind. I'm not that vain. Like, I, you know, if I had scarring, I had scarring, it's fine. Um, but he suggested I go down the cream route. So if people haven't heard of that, you there's a couple of different creams that they can uh, prescribe you. They're quite expensive. They're about 100 or so euro. 
um, and you use it for five days a week for about six weeks. And I started on that again. It took a little while before I got the prescription sent back to me. And you're kind of wait, you know, there's, it's a it's a long enough process. Um, I started that then last kind of autumn, right. going into winter, and it takes a few weeks for that to kick in. So I just for three weeks I looked. You know, I looked normal, yeah. um, and I remember showing my family, and then saying they could barely see this mark on yeah. my face. You know, and, and, um, and then and then it decided to work, and, yeah. and <laughs> this is not what you were. Ex- <laughs> well, was it what you were expecting? Were you shocked by it? Um, yes and no. In that, how the the cream that I use is, um, is called Aldara, and um, it's also called Imiquimod. And what it does is it basically stimulates your immune system to like attack the cancer, I suppose, in, in layperson's terms. So I knew something was going to happen there, but I didn't know what. And I knew there could be there could be side effects. Some people have flu-like symptoms. Their energy levels go down. You know, depending on your own immune system. So at the start, I, I felt a little bit off. I did have those kind of flu-like symptoms, but it was winter, you know, as well. So or kind of autumn. Um, so what happened was, what's really interesting is that the, the the patch of cancer that I could see was quite small. But when the once the cream kicked in, I realised there was way more cancer cells around that area than I had realised. So big patch, I mean, like about an inch and a half or so, um, started to kind of bloom, like a red mark bloomed in my face, and this then turned into just this very big scab. Um, it, there's a kind of pus underneath it. It was itchy and sore and I was lashing on these creams, antiseptic creams to try and keep, you know, because, you know, you're going to sleep with this yeah. itchy face. And, this, this was your you body know, flushing out the cancer, wasn't it? Yeah, so it's essentially these, these, I think they're called ketones, I can't remember the exact name, but these particular things that are released in your system by your immune system to kill all those cancer cells. So it was showing me that there is a much bigger area there than needed that had the cancer cells there. And there was even one small little patch away from the bigger patch near my nose that that popped up. And, you know, it was quite unsightly. um, And like, you know, you would feel a bit self-conscious going out I, I went on holidays while I while I had was doing the treatment and it was particularly bad it was like a big massive looking scab on my face uh, I think if people saw the evening echo article that um that I wrote they they used yeah. photographs from my treatment and they're they're not very nice photographs and it did take once I was finished the treatment so it kicked in about week three but it was another month and a half before even you know, well after the treatment is finished, before it started to look anyway normal, and I still have a little bit of a red yeah. redness there. But were, were you, you plagued? Were you plagued, Aoife, by people asking you what was it? What what what? What's that on your face? People were very very polite, so people generally didn't. Maybe one or two, but people were lovely. You'd get like a, a like a, a double. You know, people might look at you a bit funny if you're walking past because it was you know it's quite obvious it's on your face, you know. And people probably thought it was a cut or a scrape or something, you know. Um, but people people were very nice about it. But I think I did have a couple of weeks where I felt very self conscious about it, and you know I was going into work. Um, in the middle of it all as well, I hurt my leg and I was on crutches for a while just before. So I was getting used to being uh, being injured. By you that, were right, you crutch leg. And actually, uh, my leg was possibly worse in some ways. But, like, you know, it was one of those things where you're very conscious of how you're feeling as well when yeah. you're using a, using a cream like that. Like, that, that that's getting your immune system going. Um, and it, it was just, you know, the consultants told me I was very young. And I think my message to people really is, you know, like wear your SPF, like live your life. You know, I'm not a hermit inside my house every day. Um, I take I take care. I wear factor fifty. Um, and if it's if it's very like it's a winter's day or whatever, I wear factor fifteen on my face. Um, vitamin D is really important for our health. So like the sun is good for us in that sense. But 
if you particularly if you have pale skin but it doesn't matter what color your skin is you could be affected by skin cancer um mm. and i was just very lucky that it was basal cell carcinoma which about ten thousand people a year get in ireland it's very common um but it could have been it could have been a melanoma cancer yeah. and i have that you know i know now that i'm i'm i'm, I'm at greater risk of getting more uh, skin cancer so i have to be extra careful um, yeah. and it's just like it's not worth it um especially i think if you're a parent i think my message would be it started with me obviously when i was younger that's not my parents fault or anything it's kind of a societal thing that we all didn't really wear um SPS oh, God, we went out i mean we, yeah. went, we went out and got roasted exactly i remember <laughs> getting burned you know and you'd be it was kind of good in a way you're like oh i'll get burned i'll get a tan then you know yeah. and like be immune for the summer you know. then like go and get roasted and be immune for the summer yeah exactly and it kind of you know it's like it did in a way like it worked for us that's what we thought worked you know we got our tans but actually like all the time that was really bad for me and I'd no, I'd no idea um, and I think you know people can get it, it could be easy to get a little bit paranoid or a bit worried and I really don't want people to feel like they have to kind of hide themselves away during this lovely summer but you know you can wear um, baseball caps to you know mind your face put on your SPF there's really good products out there I used to hate the feeling of, of the cream on my skin but there's so many great creams out there now um, that are lovely. Uh, so there's a lot of options out there. And, and if you're worried about your skin, if you spot anything at all, go to your doctor. I know it's not that easy during the COVID-19 times, but give them a call, um, yeah. maybe send them a photo well, if, there, if well, that's there, the option. In all of the doctors that we've spoken to throughout the course of the, the lockdown period and the emergency, they said, look, if you've got a problem, uh, it's serious, you know, call us and we'll, we'll try to do our best yeah. to get to see you. So how's your health now? Fine, like, yeah. I mean, I just have to, you know, I, I think... For a little while afterwards, I, every every time I see anything unusual on that spot of my face in particular, I get a little bit worried and I think, oh no, is it coming back or did they, you know, did the cream not work? Um, and I'm a bit, you know, so I'm a bit more conscious of stuff. Um, I'm I'm always putting the the SPF on my face and I'm kind of, yeah, I suppose I'm just I'm I'm on the lookout, I suppose, for in case anything else pops up somewhere. And you know, and I did see people who got BCC who weren't as lucky as me and have had to have skin grafts and and you know large parts of their skin removed. And I just feel really lucky that that I didn't have to go through that. But I'm conscious that can that can happen to people. Um, so and as well, like you know, I'm also like it's a really small thing in in the great scheme of things. It's not there are many different much worse cancers out there. I was really lucky, but to see where it can be really scary. Yeah. But there's a lot of there's a lot of um, you know treatments out there. There's a lot of uh, information out there and a lot of research being done. Um, so don't be afraid. I know a lot of people. Um, I put my put a lot of stories up on Instagram when I was going through my treatment, and um, like I said in the email article as well, like. You know that was really great. People, um, people really kind of bonded with me over it. Over it, and they also told me I was afraid to go to the doctor about this, but because I saw you went and you got something, I'm going to go to the doctor too. And good. I think that that's a good message to get out there. Like, good. don't be afraid. The, the worst thing is that it's nothing. You know, so yeah. you've got nothing to lose. Pick up the phone. All right, Eva. Yeah. Uh, well done, and uh, on the article. And thanks for talking to us today. That's Eva Barry, she's a journalist from Douglas, and she has had a brush with skin cancer. The the less virulent kind, the less dangerous kind called BCC. Look, the word to the wise. A word to the wise. And maybe she's of a certain age, you're of a certain age. Maybe it's the way we behaved as kids in the sun, which you know, damaged our skin then and there's not a whole pile we can do about it now. But we can protect our skin going into the future. I see yes. 
1850 The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With the solid fuel depot at Drew's Filling Station, Turner's Cross. Remaining open for all your essential fuels with drive-in or seven-day delivery. Solidfueldepot.ie The Takeover on Cork's 96FM. Weeknights from 7 on the Big Drive Home. We give you the chance to take charge of our tunes. Join me, Lorraine, as you decide what songs we fire up. The takeover. You pick what we play. See our song list on 96FM Insta Stories. This is Cork's Gold Imro Award winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now. 1850 715 996. On Cork's 96FM. Sally, you would think we're supposed to have a kidney transplant. Good morning to you. Good morning. Thanks very much for having me on. Delighted. What happened? Um, well, I was supposed to have um, a transplant at the start of May. Um, my aunt was going to be um, a live donor for a kidney transplant so um obviously due to covid um that was um i suppose the it was suspended really until further notice so it it couldn't go ahead basically in may yeah. so when do, when will it go ahead um we're still not fully sure we haven't gotten a date um to when things will be fully i mean things are slowly starting back um they're starting um deceased donors first because it's i suppose with live donation there's two people involved so it's a higher risk um so we're not sure fully and um, we haven't gotten full dates i suppose really up to exactly when it'll happen but um how is your health um, I mean, it's it's good overall. Um, I have to attend dialysis three times a week in CUH. Um, so on them days, really, I can't, I don't have an awful lot of energy. It, it takes it out of me, really, the treatment. But, yeah. I mean, the days in between, I have the energy to kind of, uh, I suppose, <laughs> the bits Get I want. Get on with life, yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. like cooking and... Um, Obviously, my big thing is fundraising for um, the Irish Kidney Association. Yeah. The Irish Kidney Association, and I had um, just recently written written a song um, about basically it's called Endless Possibilities, and I have a fundraiser and GoFundMe. It's called Endless Possibilities for the Irish Kidney Association, uh, just to raise money because obviously this year, the like a lot of charities, um, the the um, organ donor awareness week couldn't happen at the end of March um, so I'm just raising a little bit of money and awareness of um, the importance I suppose of carrying the donor cards. Excellent, good work with you and, and, and the, the, you can never stress enough the importance of people carrying donor cards and being willing to be donors. Yes exactly and I suppose the big thing carrying donor cards is obviously a big thing but then also talking to their families and particularly now we're we're around our families a lot more when we're at home so you know it's it's a hard conversation to have because you're talking about the future but it's still a really important one and one that will save many lives and give people the opportunity like myself to have that second chance at life so yeah just describe just for a minute describe a typical dialysis day um, well, I get up at um, half six in the morning and um, 
my dad, um, I have to drive then to the CUH and um, usually I'm on dialysis for three hours um, and then I come home and I suppose I, do, I kind of an hour or two after dialysis, I really have, my energy just goes completely low um, right. because of the dialysis treatment that just kind of tires your body. How long so, does it take to get the benefit of the dialysis? I mean, I'm the next the next day. I'm good again, you know. Yes. And then it's, it's obviously every second day I'm in dialysis, so it's kind of yeah. it's on off, on off, on off, kind of, you know. Well, that's, every that's second a hard day. Way to, were you at yeah, more risk? Were you at more risk of COVID because of your situation? And we would we would be at a higher risk, I suppose, because our um, any immune suppressants that people would be on if they're on any of them that compromises the way that they can fight. Yeah. any form of infection but obviously COVID is so prevalent now that you would be at a higher risk than maybe someone that has no underlying So did, did you have to cocoon effectively? Yes yeah no we're cocooning all the time oh, that was my only trip really out of the house was to go to the hospital really and other than that I had stayed at home yeah. the only place really was the garden if it was a nice day which yeah. I suppose I'm lucky to have um, but yeah it's, it's, it's it was hard going alright it's um, not easy to be not able to see friends and family particularly you know yeah. um, probably would be the biggest thing I, I missed anyway I don't know with other people cocooning yeah. but yeah, a lot of people have those kind of, of thoughts Sally, as we move slowly and carefully yeah. out of this thing, and we've talked all morning about the businesses that are reopened today, and we'll have another round of changes on the 29th of June, and the last round of changes hopefully on the 20th of July. For politicians that are listening, and we know they listen because they've been on talking about other things this morning, how yeah. important is it to people like you that we get the procedures back running quickly? I suppose it's very important, really, because um, like people like myself that are waiting for transplant, if we bring back, you know, normality into our lives, you know, we and as well, I suppose, um, the longer it goes on, I suppose the longer, particularly like the deceased list, you know, that will be going on. You know, it'll be stretching out longer. Um, there's already three months of people not being able to get transplanted. So that's an awful long time within someone's life, particularly when they have to be cocooning and um, waiting for that, I suppose, second chance at life. So I suppose it's really important that they... And I suppose it's important that they just... Because COVID is going to be here, you know, for a while by the looks of it so I suppose it's important to kind of maybe find ways obviously within reason and the safest way as possible but to find ways of doing surgeries again you know and especially major surgeries that will you know ultimately transform people's lives. Okay well when it happens to you we wish you luck and hopefully it'll be sooner rather than later. Sally thanks very much that's Sally Nagel she had her transplant postponed because of COVID-19 now hers is a transplant from a living donor aren't they the most wonderful people isn't that the most generous thing you can do for somebody is to say well look I've two mine are both working you can have one of them isn't that such a generous and kind thing to do? When you have a spare one that'll that'll work, well, you know. But she doesn't know when she's had the operation now. Uh, and this lows like her. So it's time to get things up and running. 1850-715-996. We mentioned earlier this morning that on Friday, after we got off the air here, we were under the impression 
throughout the morning that the Black Lives Matter protest planned for Cork Friday afternoon had been cancelled. This was one that was supposed to start down at the train station, that that had actually been cancelled, that there was one planned for today, but that the one for Friday was not going ahead. Well, lo and behold, in Hey Presto, the one on Friday did go ahead, and about, they reckon about four or 500 people joined it. Now, whatever you feel about whether it should or should not have gone ahead, and whether it should or should not have been broken up by Gardaí in the wake or in the light of COVID-19 restrictions and all of that, it went ahead. And Casey O'Keefe went along to talk to some of the people involved and why, why find out why they were there. This all started, of course, with the George Floyd story from the United States. But it developed... Uh, went worldwide, went global and there was a march in Dublin and there was marches all over the UK at the weekend, some of them turning very nasty but at least the one Cork Friday afternoon passed off quite peacefully but should it have happened is the question, should it not anyway, besides that one Katie went along As crowds marched along Merchants Quay to the Grand Parade in solidarity with the Black Lives Matter movement, this attendee explained why she was there. Because there's been injustice everywhere in the world. There's been injustice everywhere in the world. We're here because of George Floyd, but we're also here because of ourselves. Because not only in America, there's racism everywhere. There's racism in every country. And Ireland likes to to pretend like there isn't there just because we're not being shot on the street. Just Just because the police officers don't have guns here does not mean we're not being, does not mean are not being oppressed we are we are being oppressed but we just haven't had the courage to stand up until now and george floyd has given all of us a voice george floyd's daughter said something he said daddy changed the world george floyd has changed the world this will go down in history and everyone will remember this because this is the day that we are taking a stand we are going to stand up for our rights and we are not going to be oppressed no more by anybody no longer will we be oppressed by anybody I'm here because in the face of all the injustice done, even though we have civil rights, they're not enforced by the current police-keeping system. And that's what I'm here to protest about. In this country, in all countries, they have too much power. It's a di- the difference in power between the peacekeeping system and normal citizens that is causing this divide. George Floyd shouldn't have died. Stephen Clash shouldn't have died. None of these people, they were shot unarmed by trained policemen. Policemen aren't trained enough. They don't do their jobs. They're supposed to keep us, the citizens, safe. And I feel like that isn't being imposed in this current system. I agree with the riots. These riots should happen because the peacekeeping system is putting more citizens at jeopardy than they are protecting. And that's why I feel like these protests aren't necessary. The protest was supposed to be cancelled. What made you still go ahead? We still because we contacted the guardian. The guardian said no. Some woman, had, she, had, she, had a, she had a march during the, the midst of the coronavirus outbreak and she, no one protested against her march. When we want to have something, we, we are told no, social distancing, we can't. We, today, we showed that we can. We enforce the social distancing laws. You saw there were, there were stewards going around making sure people were two metres apart and I feel like it just shows that if we come together as a community, we can do whatever we put our minds to, yeah. Did he just justify the riots? I think he did. That's worrying. Protests are one thing. But riots, like the ones we saw all over the United States last week where things were set on fire and property damaged and cars put in the window of places like Macy's and the kind of thing that went on at the UK at the weekend where uh, there was reporters and I heard one of them talking on radio but he was frightened by the atmosphere outside number 10 Downing Street. and all. Did this guy just justify riots? I think we might have to listen back to that. I think he did. 
The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With the Solid Fuel Depot at Drew's Filling Station, Turner's Cross. Open every day for all your solid fuels. Barbecue, gas and charcoal. Solidfueldepot.ie Gonna follow, gonna follow where I go. There are now even more ways to listen to Cork's 96FM. Tune in on your radio, online, on your mobile. And now you can ask your smart speaker to play Cork's 96FM. Try it now. Play Cork's 96FM. Okay. Cork's 96 FM. This is Cork's Gold Imro Award winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 083 396 96 96. On Cork's 96 FM. Yep. Yeah, the. <sighs> That lad seemed in the Vox Pop there to be justifying the riots worldwide. I certainly would not be in any bit of agreement. And let you have your march and have your protest and believe in Black Lives Matter and all that, but you don't get to justify riots. You shouldn't get to do that. Uh, does anyone know about George Floyd's past, says this call? I think anti-racism and holding police to account is admirable, but it is just such a pity we have to celebrate a man who put a gun to a pregnant woman's stomach for a long time, leaving her in terror. If the movement wasn't centred around him, it would also mean the protests and meetings could be held at a better time with regard to the coronavirus. He did He did have a criminal past. Yes, that did come out. He did have a criminal past. But it was quite a while ago, and he seemed to be rebuilding his life. And that's, at least that's the accounts that I read. Now, I'd probably be told, oh, you're not reading the right place. Well, he did have a criminal past. But he had reformed, as some criminals do. They weren't only talking about it last week, about criminals reforming on the show. So, but I get your point. I do take your point. 1850-715-996. Completely off topic. Hi, PJ. Trying to renew my air broadband bundle as it's gone up to €80. Euro, and new customers are getting it for twenty nine ninety nine. If you went into your local shop and a new customer was getting a litre of milk for half the price, should they be war? <laughs> it's true. It's not. You're not wrong. And, and another business, another couple of business mentions coming in. I'll get to as many of them as I can before we finish. Uh, Baldy Barber has also started a petition to get the barbers open uh, earlier than the 20th of July. And I'm sure we can come back to that. But one of the things cancelled... And we were all very sad to hear of it because we're delighted to be associated with it every year. Is the Cork Midsummer Festival. And it's one of the best things about the summer in Cork, the Midsummer Festival. You could see a show, you could see an exhibition, a bit of music, a bit of dance. You could get you could literally see anything at the Midsummer Festival. And one of the great ways to spend an evening in the city. But of course that went by the board, along with thousands of other events. Uh, when COVID hit town. Now, it's going ahead after a fashion because they've sat down and they've had a think. Lorraine May, good morning. Good morning. Hi, PJ. How are you? I'm great. I'm, I'm disappointed the festival isn't on. I, I, many, that many times I've been to it last year in particular, I was at out four or five nights at, at the Midsummer Festival. I love it. I'm sad to see it's not going ahead. But it is in a fashion. So what have you done? 
Yeah, so obviously, as you say, normally at this time of the year, we'd be gearing up now for our gathering of thousands and, you know, working like it's a big partnership project in the city with all the various venues and galleries and, you know, we'd all be sort of gearing up for that with um, with hundreds of artists. Um, but obviously that wasn't to be this year. Um, so, I mean, when, when we knew that that was happening, we knew we, we, we had to cancel the festival as we knew it. Uh, we immediately started to reimagine um, because one of the things that we wanted to do was just to keep the the sort of the festival, you know, going in some way, keep the the sort of flag flying for Cork as a cultural capital as well, you know, and and as as we're kind of opening up again and people are moving around, it's good to kind of keep those things in people's consciousness too, you know, the fact that this is such a a, a major cultural centre, you know. Um, so we, we sort of looked at what would be possible. Some of the events that we were due to do um, could happen online in really imaginative ways. Um, you know, so we, we, we started there. Mm. And then we started looking at what we could do live as well, because, of course, one of the, the big things about a festival experience is this, you know, kind of live experience, like you say, things that, that you, um, you, you might get to do that you wouldn't get to do at any other time of the year. Yeah. So we wanted to really keep that, you know, the essence of that sense of excitement in it. How, how useful uh, was it that, that the um, release of lockdown was... was was accelerated on Friday by the T-shirt? Um, well, I think in terms of our plans, it probably won't make too much of a difference. Um, but when we did have the roadmap, it did make a huge difference to us because up until that point, and that was only a couple of weeks ago, um, up until that point, we didn't know what was going to be possible in terms of doing anything live. Um, but once we had the government guidelines and everything is within that, you know, and, and obviously health and safety is really, really important to us, uh, we knew at that point that we could start to look at you know, doing some things. Um, yeah. So one of those is the Kirkadurka event. Yeah. Um, and of course, Kirkadurka are our, our great site-specific, you know, um, company, real pioneers, you know, in creating these yeah. kind of experiences. They, they adapt with, to whatever space you give them. They, they sure do. They sure do. Um, and, you know, they came up with this idea of bringing theatre into communities. So, you know, we knew that people would be able to gather in their gardens, they'd be able to look out their window. We knew that we could have a certain amount of people together um, you know, albeit with social distancing and, and all of the health and safety measures. Um, so they came up with a plan, uh, you know, to, to create this experience, which I think will be really, really special for the communities that get to experience it. And, Where are they going to go? People, well, you see, this is the thing. Um, so there's about 16 locations in total. Um, and so as not to encourage, you know, any kind of gathering, because, of course, that's still not, you know, on the table in terms of mass gatherings. This will literally be a, a special experience for the 16 communities. So this week... So- um, they'll be up, getting yeah. letters, yeah. They'll be getting letters through the post box. Um, you know, the ones who who will get to experience this and and uh, and enjoy it. Um, they'll get a letter to know that it is coming to their green in front yeah. of their house. Yeah. Um. So you know, I tell people to keep an eye on the letter box there to see if if uh, if a letter comes through. Excellent, excellent. Now, the the one thing that you can't really do is is the the, the brilliant long table, but you have done it or you are doing it, and it's already sold out. How? Yeah. Yeah. So um, obviously, you know, it's normally this this 400 person event on the South Mile with all of the various restaurants involved. Um, and when that wasn't possible, uh, we, you know, again, it, it, going back to what the festival is about, you know, the, the restaurants in the city, excuse me, the businesses are really important partners in what we do. And we wanted to find a way that we could still sort of keep that, that energy going in some way with them and, and you know, have something happen, um, you know, that would also sort of uh, promote what they're doing. And, of course, you know, we're, we're looking forward to them all reopening again. Um, so we had lots of conversations with them. And one of the things that we came up with was, was obviously this idea to do something at home. Um, and this idea of being able to pick up a hamper with a four-course meal, um, you know, that would be very special. Uh, you know, it'll be definitely a, a luxury experience. 
um, seems to be something that really, um, and, and also all cork produce as well, which is always the really yeah. important thing about the long table, you know. So we could, you know, again, just keep the flag flying there too. Um, and, and thankfully, uh, people seem to, to really support it and get behind it. And, you know, we put the, the hampers on sale on Friday at 12 and they were all gone in half an hour. How many? Very exciting. Uh, there, was, there was 150 of them. Gone in um, half an I, hour. I, uh, yeah, wow. um, I, I think we could have sold an awful lot more. Um, and, you know, there's kind of two two sides to it. One is it's going to be a really gorgeous experience for those who are, who are lucky enough to get it. And the other is just a, it shows the huge support, you know, that people have for the reopening of the city and for, for all of these, you know, people that we see every day in the restaurants that, you know, that make Cork such a great place to live in. Yeah. Now, the Glucksmen are getting involved as well. They are. So they're doing a really special project. Um, it's a, a billboards walk. It's called New Light. Um, and again, they came to us with this. They've been thinking about how they might be able to, you know, have a sort of a, a, a moment of visibility, you know, again, for, for arts and culture. And they were thinking very much about the guidelines as well. And, you know, what would people be doing in June? What would people be doing this week? And, of course, we're all re-emerging. You know, we're, we're getting back into the city. We're walking around. So um, they commissioned uh, eight court-based visual artists. Um, and they'll be on display all throughout the city. And, and you'll be able to download a guide so that you can walk it, you know, if you like, and kind of experience it and, and experience each one as you go along. Right. And, or also also you can just encounter them as well when you're in town. And, you know, um, again, as, as lots of people are, are as we're, we're reopening today, you know, um, there'll be lots of people experiencing that, you know, from, from Wednesday they'll be up. So people will be able to see it then. Okay. And pop-up arts moments, explain. Um, so I suppose the... The, well, the pop-up arts moments, I suppose, is really about the um, the, the theatre and the, the billboards. Um, we'll also have stuff online as well. And also Stevie G is going to be going into some businesses in town. And, um, you know, he's been doing uh, brilliant uh, events online, streaming fantastic events. Uh, mm. you know, over the last couple of months. So now it's again about, you know, him sort of popping up around and having a chat with people as they as they start to, you know, reopen. And, yeah. you know, again, just that, that sort of sense of um, of really, I think, too, bringing the sort of cultural community and the business community and highlighting, you know, just how much of a, of a, of a part of it all we are and how important a part of it we all are, you know, and, and as well while we wait for the, the venues and the galleries and the theatres, which we very much... Um, can't wait to absolutely, reopen again. Absolutely, the, soon, the sooner the better, but when it's safe, yeah. I guess, and not before. So is there is yeah. there a website we can take a look at to find out what's going on and how we access it? Sure. Um, if you go on to corkmidsummer.com, there's all the details there about when things will be online, when things will be live, and, and everything that people can get involved in and see. All right, corkmidsummer.com. Good luck with it, Lorraine, and uh, cheers on reinventing yourselves in the midst of it all. Thank you. That's Lorraine from the Cork Midsummer Festival. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With the indoor self-service laundrette at Drew's Filling Station, Turner's Cross. Remaining open every day for all your laundry needs. Selfservicelaundry.ie You can do it on your phone. Wow, okay, easy. You can do it with your housemate. Mmm, this is actually fun. You can even do it in bed. Well, that didn't take long. Do the Monster Music Survey at 96fm.ie and you could win cash. cash. Listen to the tunes, tell us what you think and be in to win €1,000. €1,000. The Monster Music Survey. Do it now at 96fm.ie. This is Cork's 
Gold Imro Award winning talk show, The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now, 1850 715 On Cork's 96 FM. Yeah, Gary was uh, listening in New Zealand. How are you, Gary? And uh, best of good fortune to everyone in New Zealand who declared themselves COVID free at the weekend. Their Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern was on the media saying we're now free of this thing. Well done. Uh, Gary was listening to the Vox Pop from the Black Lives Matter march and yes, he said that guy did justify uh, the riots and, and the looting, which is very disappointing to hear. And you know what? I would strongly suggest that the people we spoke to on Friday on the programme, the people like Ashling and Chino and, and, uh, and Nicole, uh, about race and about how they themselves have been subjected to racism, I don't think any of them would stand over justifying the looting and, and the rioting, which is very disappointing to hear. And that's not acceptable. 1850-715-996. The court case has been ongoing, I think, at the district court. We'll hear the update from that as soon as we have it. I'm sure it'll be on the afternoon news bulletins. That young man was being brought before the Cork District Court at half past ten this morning to face charges in relation to the attack on, on the young man. To remind you again, what happened on the opinion line this morning with regard to Carrigaline was that we were contacted by the parents of the victim. And his name is Adam. And I'll give you again the statement that they issued to us uh, just to finish today. Um, Emer. Uh, his mom spoke to Deirdre off air, wasn't able to go on air because she's at work. We are the parents of the victim on Saturday night. We have experienced every parent's nightmare, but we're overwhelmed by people's well wishes and kindness. It has restored our faith in human compassion. We would especially like to thank the ambulance personnel, the staff of the COH, the Garda, the Carrigaline community, Ballygarvin GAA and my son's friends and indeed our friends and family. The support has helped us greatly thanks to Seamus McGrath and Michael McGrath and uh, wanted to thank us and the lad is at home and recuperating and that really is all that matters that's it thanks Deirdre thanks Fergal have a good day see you tomorrow just after nine Botox Cosmetic out of botulinum toxin A FDA approved for over 20 years so talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you for full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.